Power Project crew, what's going down? Hope you're having an amazing day. Today we have an awesome, awesome podcast with JL Holdsworth. Uh, if you were a fan of the Cal Dietz episode, then you will absolutely adore this conversation. Uh, JL is an old school West Side guy, uh, West Side Barbell. And I mean, when you look at him now, you would have no idea or any, I mean, it's so hard to even grasp the concept today that he was actually such a hothead that, uh, I mean, he'll explain it in the, in the episode. He, he explains, he talks about a, uh, a $30,000 hot dog that he had. Uh, you, you just, you have to listen to it to really understand what the heck that even means. But anyways, uh, JL works with, uh, Cal Dietz. And no disrespect to Cal, but when he's explaining the RPR system, he's so dang smart that it's it's kind of hard for a, a normie like myself to even understand exactly what he's saying. Uh, the way JL put it, he it it it, it, simp- it simplified things. Um, so we get into heavy RPR stuff. Um, I promise you, after you listen to this, you're gonna really want to look into it. Um, he did a couple of different um, like examples on us before the podcast, and so like this episode really just solidifies all our beliefs and like uh, how much trust we have in the RPR system. Um, I, I really think you guys are gonna dig it. Uh, we talked about a little bit about the uh, the West Side days and. You know, it, it like I said, it, he's so unassuming. You would never think that he would be such a hot-headed person. Um, RPR system has helped him calm down significantly, almost like pretty much to the point where he's a different person now. But back in the uh, West Side Barbell days, like he explains how, <laughs> how he he had to fight his training partner in order to continue training with him. And when his training partner didn't, he basically said, "I can no longer train with you." Uh, he says, there's two things that will happen. Either I will get my way or you'll get punched in the face. And it's so crazy because when you, when, you, when you hear him speak or if you're watching the video on YouTube, you, you, it'd be impossible to ever even assume that he was such a hot-headed guy. But uh, Mark confirmed everything and he was just like, yeah, he was, he was one of the you know, most uh, savage dudes in the gym back in the day. So uh, like I said, this, this episode had the biggest impact on the Power Project crew because we now implement the RPR system every single day in our day-to-day. And um, yeah, it was all because of the way JL was able to explain the RPR system to us. This episode is brought to you by Piedmontese Beef. Uh, it's the best beef in the universe. Uh, humans and aliens both agree it's second to none. You guys really need to try it. It's at uh, Piedmontese.com. That's P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T-E-S-E.com. At checkout, enter promo code POWERPROJECT for 25% off your order. And if your order is $99 or more, you get free two-day shipping. Check out the Jacked and Tan box, the uh, Power Project Deluxe Bundle. Uh, both of those are available through their, uh, their gift box set. And our promo code works on both of those. Anyways, let's go ahead and get into this episode. Uh, if you're picking up what JL's putting down, please hit him up on social media. His uh, He's brand new on Twitter, so links for that and his Instagram will be down in the uh, YouTube description or the iTunes show notes. Hit him up, tell him what you think, and uh, please, please, please enjoy the show. So you were digging through some piles of some old documents? Yeah, actually one of our... Uh one of our interns was digging through our library of resources and he just pulled out, you know, it was paper. Right. And so on the inside, he goes, what, what is this? And it was Mel Siff, Louis Simmons, that, you know, 2001 seminar where we met in like the boiler room of like the Bellagio or something. I think it was a broom closet. Yeah. Why was, we were, why were, <laughs> because no one, cause it was 2001. No one did, even knew. 
Yeah, did like was it not supposed to happen there or something? Like, did they just make up a seminar there? I, I'm pretty sure. Well, I I found out about it. I remember like walking to it. I'm like, where am I going? Like, yeah, there can't be a seminar were out. this way. Yeah, lights were out. It's like there's a clown. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, we didn't know what we were walking into. It's funny because uh, you know I learned about that, and that was probably six months after I really learned about conjugate and super training and all this. And you know, it's just my personality. Once, once I'm in, man, it's, it's 110% going in. Yep. And so I learned about that seminar and I was in college. I didn't have money to, to go to Vegas and to do all this. So, uh, I ended up working an after hours club from three in the morning till eight in the morning to make enough money. Oh my God. So, uh, my job, uh, at this place was to, uh, be in charge of the nitrous tank. And so I, I was <laughs> Wayne state. So it's downtown Detroit. So you just, I drive to this, I get this address from this guy who says I can make a lot of money working this after hours. Cause I'm like, all right, you know, I need money. So this perfect AB, this is, I see it gets me to the Mel Siff clinic. So, uh, <laughs> So I show up to this warehouse in in just a sketchy part of Detroit, which when you say a sketchy part of Detroit, you take any other city and it's the sketchiest, sketchiest, sketchiest part of that city. And so things are boarded. There's nobody around. Like, what? There's no way there's something here. So I go around to this door with this little red X on it, open it up, and just all of a sudden. <laughs> and I mean, it's just like 2,000 people just going insane. And so I find the dude. I walk upstairs. It's on the third floor. He's got the next thing. He's like. You know, I'm playing college football and stuff, and I just got done, right? So I'm 245, pretty pretty athletic guy, right? So he's like, all right, you're in charge of nitrous tank. If the cops come, you've got to pick it up and run. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, Kyle's like, how much do I get paid? And he's like, you're going to get $100 an hour. Ooh, this, this is 2001, man, $100 an hour? I was like, Pfft. I, I'll kill a cop, right? Like, <laughs> I was like, I was like <laughs> and so, uh, so good money, especially off the books, right? No, it was insane. Right. And then like there was, there was another thing was, uh, the people who wanted to get to it then would tip you to get to it quick. I literally made my entire, I worked one night at that thing wow. done, never worked again. Cause uh, obviously there was the chance of getting shot. And so, uh, and then made it to the clinic. But that's the thing. People are like, I can't go. I can't afford it. And I'm like, <laughs> let's not talk about the things that I've done to afford to go to learn more. Too. But here's the thing. I don't work that after hours club. I don't go to that. We're not sitting here today. Right. Right. Like how that's where people, they can't understand the universe. These things happen and we don't have perspective on time and space to say whether they're good or bad. Mm-hmm. Right. We just 20 years later, we're sitting here and doing a podcast because I made a choice <laughs> to act and to do whatever I had to do to get to a place I wanted to be. Then we meet and it's great. The intern brings it. And so he opens it up and, uh, you know, he follows your, you know, all your stuff and he opens it up on the inside. It's everyone's phone numbers written down because there was no cell phone. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. And so everyone's it. So it's like Mark Bell phone number, right? Buddy Morris phone number, Joe Ken phone number, Tom Islinski, Mark Uyama. Right. And for the listeners who don't know, I just named you and four NFL head strength coaches. Yeah, and James Smith was there yeah, as James, well. Yeah. yeah James yeah. Smith. Right. And so it's, I mean, and it was in a broom closet, right? In 2001, and all of, and all of us were there, right? It's and it was some weird last-minute thrown-together thing, I think, because like, Louis Simmons never traveled at that time. And once I saw that, like, I heard about uh, the super training seminars, but I was like, I don't know if I'll be able to even digest that. And then as soon as I heard that Louis Simmons was traveling to the West Coast, I was like, he never travels for anything. I'm like, i got to figure out a way to go to that. 
Well, especially, I mean, if people don't know, Louis only drives, right? He won't, yeah. he won't fly. So, I mean, that's, that's a drive to Vegas from Columbus, which I, I wouldn't do it. But, I mean, you know, but that, <laughs> right. that's just Louis, right? I mean, you know, it's, it's. He's different. That he is definitely different. Yeah, that seminar is what sparked the name Super Training, you know, because I, I was, I checked out Mel Siff's book, like on the break, and I was like yourself at the time, I just didn't have any money. He's like, oh, you think you're going to buy the book? The book's like 80 or 90 bucks or something. And I was like, yeah, I, th- I think so. I was like, I think I got to go, you know, hit up an ATM. But I didn't, you know, I was just trying to be nice. I was like, oh, I can't, you know, can't afford it. And uh, he was like, hey, you know what? He's like, why don't you just keep it? He's like, it's just as long as you promise you'll put it to good use. And I was like, all right. I was like, sounds good. And then he died. Yeah, no, he yeah. died like a month or two later or something, right? Yeah, that was, I mean, that was the last, if, if you didn't go to that, you before before that you didn't yeah. you didn't even see him for people yeah. who don't know who Melsif is why was he so well known at the time well the book super training i mean he basically took the soviet methods and everything and then lumped it all into one book that you could digest and that was the first time i mean the super super training is right so people you know i know i talked to younger kid you know i'm 41 right we've been doing this you know obviously 2001 we didn't know anything right and that, that was a little while ago and uh so it's funny because people read all these other books and there's great books by people that are coming out today. But the way I look at it is there's the Bible and then there's a bunch of books on religion and super training to the Bible and all these books on, you know, programs, everything that are coming today. They just take all the lessons from the Bible, which is super training for, for people in strength and conditioning. Right. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot today about RPR and you've been kind of blowing our minds with it. Can you first kind of give us a good description of what it is? We had Cal Dietz on recently, and so I would love for people to hear from different people on what this method is and, and how they can apply it into their own life. Because uh, at first glance, you're like, I don't know what just happened. It's hard to process. Yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, it's something we talked about this that is so complicated, but it really, it, it's simple. And, and that's what I love about it most, right? So for me, the real simple, easy to digest for people, it, it really is just a system of daily self-care techniques that allow you to reduce pain, build resilience to the stress in your life, improve performance, reduce injury. It does so many things, but, but the bottom line is it's just a system of daily self-care. And so it involves some breathing and wake-up drills, which is basically rubbing different areas. And, you know, the simple for people to think about it like this is, you know, you walk home and the electricity in your house controls how everything that works. Well, electricity in your body is your nervous system. That controls how everything in your body works. So all we're doing is really just showing people where the light switches are in their body. And, and that's really it. And so people are blown away. And the analogy, when I go into, you know, pro teams and college teams, and we've done, you know, I mean, joint special operations, I mean, a lot of special forces, and at super high level of performance, almost everybody's using it, Right as far as just the everyday lifter and just person walking down the street have never seen it, have no clue what it is. Right. And so for me, when I go into these teams, people are blown away and they don't, and I literally just go, look guys, 200 years ago, if we're in a dark room and I say, Hey, I'm going to flip a switch and it's going to be light as day. You guys would have burned me at the stake as a magician, right? Because no one understood electricity, but we've had that for you know 150 mm-hmm. years. And so we walk into a lit room like this and it's just no big deal. What I'm showing you guys that blows your mind, it's just the electricity of your body. In 150 years, three-year-olds will know how to do it, and they'll know where their light switches are, and they'll just be like, yeah, whatever. 
And so that's the thing. It's just so new. But I tell people it's not magic. It's not food. It's literally just showing where the light switches in your body are. It's really simple. Where did it come from? So there's a physio out of South Africa. His name's Douglas Heal. And he has a system called Be Activated. And Douglas has been teaching this for a little while. It's all practitioner-based. So, uh, you know, there's there's a lot. And it, it dives really deep. And it's awesome stuff. And, and the main philosophy, though, is a neurological paradigm of how people work. So it's a different understanding. And so what happened was uh, in 2010, Chris Corfus, who's another one of the co-founders of RPR, who's just, I mean, he's one of the world's top sprint coaches. He's amazing. And uh, so he had a, the top 60 meter guy in the country uh, blow out his hamstring. So he went back through all his training. He's like, oh my God, you know, because someone gets injured, man, you, you, as a strength coach, you, you mean you drive a hamstring for a sprinter. Yeah, I mean, and so he's going over and he can't figure out what happened. So a great buddy of his, uh, his name's Dan Fichter, who I call the international man of mystery because he's he's all over the place. But uh, and and I love Dan. He happened to be in London learning from Douglas when this happens. He calls Corfus from the thing goes, dude, I think I know why your kid blew his hamstring. And so Corfus starts going into, oh, did I not do enough eccentric, single leg, all the things that we think of in training. And he goes, no, dude, this is a whole new way of understanding how things work. And so Corfus is being a learner. He brings Douglas over from South Africa, learns, implements, starts getting amazing results. He tells Cal about it. Cal implements, starts getting amazing results. Cal tells me, we were speaking at a clinic today, he starts telling me about this crazy stuff. Honestly, I go online to, to look at what would eventually become RPR or some of the basis of it. And I literally get 10 seconds of video and go, not real. You're, you're like, I'm like, there's no way. Yeah, right? Who are these clowns? Yeah, I was like, this isn't real. And so, uh, so because Cal told me about it, I go, I learned from Douglas. I go through a four-day course and just, I mean, mind-blown, life-changing. And uh, I come home, uh, Dave Tate, who, you know, you know Dave. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I call him on my way home, and I go, dude, I, I think – I think I got something that's going to help you. And, and Dave's had tons of it. For people who don't know who Dave is, but he's, he's a powerlifter, was very high level with, with us at Westside, mm-hmm. and just a lot of injuries over Founder there. Founder of EliteFTS.com. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, Dave has this thing where he shakes really bad when he squats heavy. And so no one's ever been able to help it. And so once I went to his clinic, I go, holy cow, th- that's neurological. And so Dave comes in. I take him through everything. He goes to lift. And I get a call. Well, first I said, he goes, can, can I go train? I was like, well, yeah, why wouldn't you be able to? He's like, I don't know. Like, my body just feels different. And I was like, yeah, no, but your, your body's actually working the way it's supposed to now neurologically. So go, go train. What are you going to do? He's like, ah, I'm just doing some speed work. And I said, oh, yeah, just see how it feels. So on Sunday, he had squatted uh, 610 with a spider bar and a special box and all this. And I saw a video of it. I, like, I mean, <laughs> like he's having a seizure. Mm-hmm. And it's scary. He goes that night, he calls me, he goes, dude, I, I, he's literally, he just, he's like, he, I just did 700. I go, what? I, I thought it was speedy because I felt so good. I just want to see what would happen. Literally sends me the video of it, 700, boom. And he's like, I stopped because I was just scared. Like, I didn't know where it was going to stop, right? So after that, he, he said, you know, powerlifting for 20 years, sets a 90-pound squat PR, one, right? And, and one day after that, so I'm like, man, this stuff is, is, it's everything I thought it was, right? And so, uh, 
so the thing was, in, in, you know, I live in Columbus here, and uh, I have two 20,000-square-foot private training facilities. We have a ton of people through our facilities every day. It's all private. They're working with coaches, but it might be, you know, a team of, you know, 20 lacrosse players or, you know, 10 wrestlers or whatever. Or it might be one-on-one. Uh, and so the thing was, I was like, man, this is all practitioner. It's really, it, it's high-level, kind of, it takes some time to grasp. And so this isn't scalable. Like, I can't give this to my people, right? Because, you know... We, have a couple hundred people going through a day like what that there's not time mm-hmm. and so i started talking to cal and chris and i said well how how would we do this in a team talk to douglas in south africa and finally uh had douglas come over and, and basically met and i go look man I, I, we, we want to make this simple so people can just do it themselves and douglas is like yes that's amazing because the more people that have this the better and so just started working from there. Uh, Reflexive Performance Reset as, as a company was, was born out of that. And uh, then we just started working on it, man. And How did you guys come to some of these weird conclusions? Because I think part of what makes it a mystery is that you're like rubbing an area, but it's affecting a completely different spot. So like uh, the little bolts uh, above your butt cheeks, uh, like kind of next to your, like a little bit above your crack. Uh, that's like supposedly kind of frees up your hamstrings or maybe helps activate the hamstrings. So, um, in the back of your head to like your glutes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, That kind of stuff. Well, I think that's, uh, that, that seems like some real voodoo right there, you know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. And and again, it's, it's not voodoo. It's just showing you where the light switches are. Right. So here's the thing, right? So the light bulb, they're all right there. The light switch isn't right next to them. That didn't amaze you. Right, you flip the light switch on. Absolutely, you flip the light switch on the wall. That wasn't amazing. It's because you know, because the wiring goes to that switch, and you just know that because since little kids, we've been flipping light switches. So for us, I mean, Douglas really laid out the system, and then we just it, it became simplifying it, right? And so for me, one thing that's really crucial is you know you said activation, and one thing I want to make sure people understand because. Uh, this summer, uh, Douglas was here for, for about 10 days in Columbus and, and he was doing a deactivated clinic and, and we were working together on a bunch of other stuff. And we went out to breakfast and uh, I ordered biscuits and gravy because they're amazing. Right? <laughs> and, Cause, yeah, because you like that kind of shit. Yeah, who doesn't, right? And so uh, I order it and he literally just is like, he's, he's giving me this. Like, like I just, I'm like, I, like I killed a puppy, right? I don't, I don't know what's going on. That's how I look at some of these guys. Right. Right? <laughs> right. And so, uh, my, my biscuits and gravy come and he goes, Oh, that's biscuits and gravy. And I said, what are you talking about? He says, well, in South Africa, <laughs> biscuits are cookies. Oh, so he thought I ordered like chocolate chip cookies with gravy for breakfast. <laughs> Right. And, and, and so, and so of course I would look at someone's strange. There you go. Yeah. Interpretation. Yep. And so what I realized, and we started to have this dialogue that what a word means to one person based on their lens is complete. It's the same word. It's a completely different meaning and attachment. That could be a, like a derogatory word, right? Could, anything. So some, yeah. Exactly. Some, a, a racial slang or could mean some one thing to another person could mean something totally different to another person. Yeah. And so what I realized was the world that I came up in, strength, conditioning, and powerlifting, and all these things, uh, activation was glute bridges and clamshells and, and hip circle wash, right? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And these things are all awesome things. However, when you understand the neurological paradigm, you understand that for me, that's not activation. That's a warm up. And, and you need a warm up, right? I'm not saying you don't need a warm up. You need that. However, that's the mechanical part of just warming it up. 
activation to me with RPR is the changing of the neurological firing sequence. And so what we do is a lot of times uh, in our clinics when we do demonstrations is we say, hey, guys, we just want to be on the same page. And so we'll bring someone up. We'll test their hip extension, right? They'll lay flat down. We'll just have them lift their leg up. We'll test how strong they are. Then we'll have them do a bunch of glute bridges, clamshells, anything they want to do to feel activated. And we retest that. And you know what happens every single time? Absolutely nothing. Right. And so we're all doing this stuff saying it's activating. Right. And it's all this. But really, it's just a warm up. And, and, and you need the warm up. I still do all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Cal showed us even with like the hip circle. Yeah, exactly. He's like, it's it's not really activating. It's it's warming it's up warm- the area. Exactly. And so the thing is, is then what we do is we have them do breathing and the wake up drills and then we retest hip extension. So we do activation how we mean changing the neurological sequence and you can stand on top of them and it doesn't move and their strength doubles. Like we had the force tester we did with you. Yeah, that was amazing. That was really cool. Yeah. I mean, that was rotation. You got 70% on one side, about 120 on the other side and on hip extension, I tend to find most people and most tests, it's about 70 to a hundred. If, if there's a little deficit, a little more, but think about a hundred percent, that force output is doubling. It's not doubling because you warmed up. There's nothing you can do to warm up that will change force output. Only thing that changes the force output is changing the neurological firing sequence. So here's the question: Why, like, like, why do we not naturally have access to that? Like, why is it, why is it, uh, why do we have to like kind of trigger these things by by rubbing ourselves like we're putting on uh, soap or something? Yeah, well, washing ourselves. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which washing ourselves is, is an important thing too, right? Oh, yeah. So, uh, and so uh, you know, basically, we do have access to them. And, and we do. The the people who have 100% access to them unfettered, infants. Hmm. Because infants have no perceived stress in their life. So they have the perfect parasympathetic or performance state. If if a baby was you know laying here on the table and a lion was over top of it, it would just be cooing, smiling, <laughs> batting at the lion. right? But for us as adults, we know it can eat us. <laughs> Right. So, so we, we'd be out the door, right? Like, I don't need to be that fast. I seem to be faster than you guys, right? Like, and so, and so this is the thing is that babies have perfect breathing patterns. Their firing sequences are perfect because they have no perceived stress. However, as soon as we, we start growing up, right? Like two, three, four, we start getting the stress. And so all these things in our lives, some of them are big stressors, right? Some of them are just tiny, right? Just an email from someone that irritates you or something. You know what I mean? And it, it could be anything. But what happens is that accumulated stress, it changes our breathing patterns. And it changes our neurological firing sequence because it puts us into survival state. So our body wants to conserve energy. So it starts firing smaller muscles instead of the big prime movers. So for hip extension, your glutes are big, strong muscles. And they are built to extend the hip. Well, when you're in survival mode, your body might use your hamstring. Hamstring's so big, but it ain't as big as glutes. Or it might use your lower back. And all of a sudden, you show way weaker, but your body's just trying to survive. That, that's it. It's just trying to survive. And so some people, depending on the patterns and, and kind of how they handle the stress in their life, will be naturally much better at compensating. It'll be much higher threshold on force when I test them. Some people who are really stressed out, man... Their patterns are so shifted. I mean, these are people that, you know, these are people that get injured a lot. You know, Mark asked a question a little bit earlier when you were doing the drill on, I don't know if it was on, yeah, on, on me, if like, how long will it last? Because I think you get that question a lot. And I'm curious if an individual tends to be more parasympathetic 
during life than sympathetic, right? When they do these drills, will they generally like feel the effects longer? Why are you flexing your biceps right now? <laughs> right? I mean, better questions, why not? Oh, uh, never mind. <laughs> will they feel the effects longer than someone who's like all, always anxious, etc.? And also, I don't even think we've um, defined parasympathetic and sympathetic. So can you define that so people can also understand exactly what yep. we're talking about here? Yeah, so this, you know, and, and that's why, you know, when people ask me what RPR is, it's, it's a system of daily self-care. Done, right? It, it's just, that's all you got to know. Whatever you're trying to do, you hurt, it's going to help you hurt. Brush less. your teeth, floss. Exactly. It, it's Take brushing, a shower. It's brushing your teeth for your nervous system. You do it every day, hopefully more than once, right? Depending on your activity. And so uh, basically though, you're, when we talk about autonomic nervous system, that's everyone knows fight or flight, rest and recover because we everyone I think learned that in middle school. And all that's talking about is parasympathetic, sympathetic. And that makes up your autonomic nervous system. And so you always, it's a scale. You're never all parasympathetic, all sympathetic. It's just there's one that's more dominant than the other. And so for babies, like we talked about, they're just super high parasympathetic. They have no stress. They breathe wonderfully and do this. And so this is a thing where once you get that stress, you get that sympathetic dominance, it shifts. So you're talking about someone who's more stressed out and those things, they're going to be more sympathetic dominant than someone who's super relaxed going through life. However, we have these events in our lives. And so people ask, would it last longer? Would it do this? And that's a wonderful question. When I first learned RPR, man, we were testing every athlete. We'd do the wake up drills and then we, it was summertime. So we had 90 minute workout sessions. So we were testing them every 15 minutes. Does it change? When does it change? And, and so that's where my mind went because I learned a neurological paradigm. And so for me, it's just like our, our light bulb analogy. You know, you buy a light bulb, it says it's going to burn for 1500 hours. You plug it into light, you know, fixture. And then you flip the light switch off, it goes off. Does that mean the light bulb doesn't work? No, we've changed the electricity. So I never now, when someone talks about how long it'll last, what I go to is, it's a great question. It's just in the mechanical paradigm. It's the, this is a neurological paradigm. And so the question isn't how long does it last? Does it last longer? The question is, do we know where it is? And do we know how to get it where we want it to be? Just like the light switch. Do we know the lights are on? Do we know where the light switch is? That's it. And so it's a different question because it's a different way of understanding. And so what flips that light switch? So the analogy I give is if you had 50 little kid relatives over for Thanksgiving, and, right? Like, oh, no. Right, yeah. <laughs> Just crazy, right? The house is this madhouse, right? The kids are running everywhere. They're all over. And they're flipping light switches on and off and doing this. Then the question is like, how long will the lights stay on? Well, who knows? It depends how, how we can settle the kids down. Your breathing is settling the kids down. So RPR is breathing and the wake-up drills because the breathing allows you to calm and drive a bigger parasympathetic response. And so it'll last, quote-unquote, longer if we're breathing in a parasympathetic way. However, this is the one thing with breathing. Everyone, everyone I think right now uh, who listens to this podcast is probably like, yes, I've heard how important breathing is. I think in, in the world there's just so much. And if they're not aware – just hold your breath for five minutes and see if you think it's important. And right, like it's just it's so important. Everyone in the world, obviously, if you're alive, you're breathing. However, you're not breathing properly. And and the thing is, is I look at th- three levels. There's people that are telling people breathing is important, and that's good. It builds awareness. Then there's people who are telling people how to breathe, and they're spending all this time on it, and that's great, and it's great information. The thing is, is you have all this stress. And that stress is what's making you breathe improperly. So telling you how to breathe 
isn't going to work because you're not doing anything with the stress. You're not changing the physiology. And the example I gave you guys earlier is if, you know, Mark and I take you and we take you to the spot and we do two days under squat and we dial it perfect. I mean, it is money, right? That's like spending two days teaching how to breathe. Then we put 10 more pounds on the bar than you can lift and all your form just goes to crap. That's like releasing you back into the real world where all the stress is. So if we take you out of the stress for two days and just talk and talk and talk, yeah, it'll probably get a lot better. But once we release you into the world, put 10 more pounds on the bar than you can handle that stress. Now, all of a sudden, it goes back to crap. So there's two options. Everyone's talking about taking the stress out of your life. And obviously, that, that's a great strategy as well. So in this analogy, that'd just be taking the 10 pounds off. Well, the thing is, I've got three kids. I've got two businesses. I travel all the time, right? All these things going on. I'm not going to remove them. Modern day, modern technology, a drive to be better, a drive to make yeah. more money, a drive to you know, constantly increase everything. That's most likely not going anywhere. You know, it's, it's there. So then you guys have created a system that's allowing you to manage it a little bit better each and every time you go into a training session. It might be a, maybe a little bit similar, and correct me if I'm wrong, to, you know, taking just a second to do a little bit of mobility work before a training session, just so that when you're hitting the bottom of your squat, you're not, um, you're not going through an end range of motion uh, that, you know, you're, you're going, you're trying to break parallel but you're not going through an end range of motion. That is your limit range. You just have set yourself up so you'll move better for the whole day. So someone might say, well, I don't really stretch because it doesn't really do much for me. But then that same person may blow out their back two years later. And that doesn't mean that stretching fixes you from blowing out your back, but it could help with you managing to be in better positions all the time for your training. If you carry that out into your life and you're prepared for each day and you lay out your clothes, I'm now in a better position to start my day because I started it yesterday. You know, those, those type of things. So it sounds to me like RPR is like just a, just a, a great way to manage and deflect all the stresses that are coming at us constantly. Yeah, I mean, that's why I say it it really just helps you build resilience to the stress in your life. And whether that's physical stress of lifting, whether that's being a better dad, being a better boss, a better coworker, a better person on a plane or in an airport, right? Whatever it is, right? And that's what we talked about, right? So when someone looks at you weird because you're violently rubbing your chest, you say, I'm trying to be a better person. Exactly. (laughs) Well, it's it's funny, right, Is, is all this... People are really starting to become aware of all these microdoses of stress. And in the strategy that everyone has in this mechanical model, it's like take the 10 pounds off the bar. Well, I can't, right? Because I, 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 I'm actually going to be adding more. I want to add more weight, right? The thing is, is the other option would be make you stronger. And that's what RPR does is it gives you that resilience to the stress, right? Just like making you stronger gives you resilience to holding technique with big weights. And so changing this neurological sequence, the, the crazy part, I mean, we, t- we were talking about this a little bit before is... Uh, you know, I was such a sympathetic dominant person my entire life. And so you, you want to talk about like, what is the nervous system? What is that balance? Well, for me, uh, so, so I talked about babies having kind of the perfect breathing pattern and stuff. I would be the exception. And the reason I was the exception was, uh, I was a C-section and when they actually cut me out, the doctor stabbed me in the middle of the forehead. What? Yeah. So I had eight stitches right in the middle of my head when I was born. So literally, it's been this insane thing where this process of going through. Yeah, he's just never seen an ugly baby like that. He didn't have, to, I, didn't know I, how I, to react. Yes, they were like, just you know, I don't know. He's man. like, let's just fucking. <laughs> no, seriously. I, I, like I've asked my brother, like, what? What? Yeah, how the hell did that happen? Like, I mean, I've been around forty-one years now. I've never heard of this happening ever to anybody. Yeah. 
And so I've asked, I asked doctor friends, like, you know, Eric Serrano, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Serrano started in OB, like he's delivered a ton of, and I was just like, how could this happen? He's like, yeah, that's not a thing. <laughs> right. Like he's like, so literally me coming into the world, I got stabbed in the head. And what I've realized through a lot of this work is it literally shut down every bit of feeling I had. So it was just straight anger, sympathetic survival. Cause what's more survival than getting stabbed in the head right when you come out of the womb. And so when I was a kid, two, three years old, uh, my doc, uh, my parents took me a bunch of different doctors because I would get so angry. Mm. I would ram myself into walls. I would throw myself off of couches. I, I remember my grandma telling a story where I threw myself off the couch, face first on the coffee table, split my eye wide open, had to get a ton of stitches, didn't cry. Right. And so literally just feeling was shut down for, I remember I was talking uh, the other night, I was Cedar Point's a big amusement park in, in uh, Sandusky. It's a couple hours from here. So I went there as a... Uh, Tim Harold's from there, right? Yeah. Big, big Tim. <laughs> big Tim. Big Tim, uh, he stuffed me in the uh, bathroom at Westside, and, and he just stood next to the door. And well, he's like 450 pounds at that time, I couldn't, so you I couldn't can't get move out. him. You yeah, can't move six, him. six, eight, 450, he's just like leaning on the bathroom door, and I'm just in there, and it just smells like just death in there. <laughs> it was not a good place to be. No. It was not a good place to be. Sandusky, go back to it. No, so so the, the amusement park, they had the biggest, tallest, fast roller coaster, so I, you get three hours to ride this thing. I rode it, and I was just... Yeah, that, that wasn't cool. So then I get in line another three hours, and I'm like, I'm going to enjoy this ride. So what I do is I basically take, and when, when they do, and I kind of stand up like this, and I put my hands here so the bar won't come down. Because I'm like, well, if I can fall out, that's going to make it fun. And so literally go to the first hill, and I just start flying out, and I grab the bar, and I was like, yeah, now we're having fun. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, and I have a million stories. Like, in high school, I was literally, like, Grand Marquis four door, so the roof's probably as long as this table, right? <laughs> so I'm surfing on top of the Grand Marquis. We're doing sixty down a dirt road, and we hit two deer, right? Like I have a million. It, it, but for me, riding in the car, like that, I was bored, right? So I'm like, I'm going to spice this up. So for me, <laughs> right, riding, like, I'm gonna get on the hood. It's well, be it, great. It, well, for, I did get on the hood, and that wasn't fun enough. So then I stood on the roof, and so it's, and that's just how I live my entire life. And so for me, it was just such survival all the time that even to feel something, I had to go to super, right? I go to Westside. Let's put a thousand pounds on her back, right? Like put eight hundred pounds over my face, right? It had to be extreme, extreme, extreme. And so when I got into, you know, I learned be activated, and then you know we. We co-founded RPR, and I'm, I'm now, because the way I, I talk about it is RPR, is, it's like brushing your teeth. You do it every day to take care of your nervous system. Uh, deactivated is like going to the dentist, right? It's stuff you can't do yourself. You, you kind of go to, to just see if you've been doing everything right, and then to get some stuff done that you can't do yourself. And so for me, it's been you know going through deactivated, doing RPR every day to, to keep myself in a great place. And I just got into this because I wanted my body not to hurt. I've had 12 surgeries. I, you know, t- 2004, I was doing an 1,100-pound squat, herniated L5-S1. That's, that's what took me out of you know, professional. I had the fourth highest total in the world all time. I was, uh, at that time, you know, I had the biggest total at Westside. I had the biggest bench, like Westside versus the world, that movie. There's that old clip of me writing my uh, record for a 775 bench on the board when they talk about putting your name on the record board. Uh, I mean, I was on top of the world, right? I'm, I was going to be going into that meet. I was going to be the first non-super heavyweight. Gary Frank had totaled 26. I was going to be the second guy to total over 2,600. And this is, you know, 2004. 275 weight class? 275, yeah. And so at that time, I mean, I was, I was on top of the world. And so basically a guy came to the gym. I was only supposed to spot 900. And uh, I just, I just, he basically, he, well, you know this. He tried to jump in and squat with the morning crew. Yeah. You, that's a no-no. Yeah. <laughs> 
Right. That's an, and the reason I got to, this is, goes to the point. The reason I was training in the morning crew was I, uh, when I first moved to Columbus, I lived on a guy's couch in the night crew. And we were training, and something, who knows what happened, and I called him outside of the gym to fight. So I'm standing outside the gym, shirt off, just screaming, calling him out, and he refused to come out and fight me. And so I basically was just like, you know, cussing, and I was like, I won't train with someone who won't fight. And I literally go, and, and I literally went to the morning crew because he wouldn't fight me. And so I was like, I was like, get out here. You kick my ass, we go back to training. I kick your ass, we go back to training. But if you don't fight me, I'm done. And so, and so he wouldn't fight me. And so I went hey, to the morning. It sounds crew. very rational to me. Yeah. I mean, but that, in my mind, right? Yeah. That made sense. Like I went to the morning crew. I was like, yeah, he wouldn't fight me. So we're going to train here. Right. Like, and so, but then you have guys like Chuck Vogelpool, guarantee I call Chuck outside the gym. We're fighting. Right. Like right. Chuck ain't backing down from a fight. And so, but that's, that's how I live my life. And so this kid tried to, to squat with us and I was only supposed to go 900 and I just kept piling weight on because I said, you're going to have to do everything I do. And so my goal that day was to put, he had to leave in an ambulance. And instead, I herniated L5S1. Mm-hmm. And then I'm done with competitive powerlifting for 10 years. And uh, it, it was awful, man. I went from being one of the strongest guys in the world ever. I woke up the next day and I couldn't put my underwear on myself. Right? So I'm talking, you know, and this is, people ask me, uh, you know, with RPR and the stuff we teach, it's, uh, you know, why don't you guys just do this and don't teach other people and just why, why give this information? You, you know, why, why teach other people this stuff? And for me, I think what it really comes down to is that after I herniated that disc, it was six years of just, it was hard to shower, getting out of bed. I mean, think about it, right? Up to that point, we were talking all the time. Yeah. I mean, we were talking all the time. That six years, you didn't hear one thing from me. Right. I mean, I might like literally might as well have been in prison because I didn't do anything for that six years. And so for me, I started the spot athletics in 2010 and that pulled me out. It gave me purpose again. It gave me purpose. And, you know, finding this stuff, I didn't get into be activated and RPR and all this because I thought it was going to do anything mentally or stress. I didn't understand resiliency to stress. I didn't even understand I had an issue punching people in the face all the time. Right. Like I thought that was just a thing. Like, I don't know. I just do it more than others. Right. Uh, and so for me, it was crazy because I got into it for all these physical things, reduce injuries, feel better, performance, and, and it does all those things. But for me, that's one hour of my day. For the other 23, I have to be a, a professional human being. And it's, it's made me a better dad. It's made me a better boss. It, I mean, my business has exponentially grown because the way I can communicate with people and talk to people, and I just couldn't do that before. Before, I would either you were going to give me what I want or I was going to punch in the face, <laughs> right? Like there was two options. So I avoided conversations because, because I didn't want to go to jail again. What, how much did you weigh, uh, when we met in 2001, do you think? That was about the start. Like 230 or something or 240? Like, yo, I was probably two. F- yeah, yeah. Oh, cause I'd got done with football. I started running a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. I was probably, probably 225 yeah. or so when we, okay. when we met. Yeah. I was probably 225. Yeah. And I was probably about the yeah. same weight, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think you might even you, like 205 or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was, it was, right. you were about 205 at that time. Yeah. Um, because you were doing wrestling and, yeah. and, and you were really doing all that. So, um, and then for me, I mean, at Westside. Yeah. It's weird that we met at this seminar and then we ended up both going to Westside and training there. And like, you know, he was just, he was crushing it while he was there. I wasn't hitting big weights until I started figuring out my own shit later on. But yeah, that was, it's just, it's an interesting kind of turn of events. You know, I, I show up to West side years later and you're two eighty or whatever, and I'm two forty or whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, at my, I mean, 
you know, right now I'm about 260. I've been doing, you know, jujitsu and stuff again. And, and my goal is really just keep coming down. There's no, re- but you know, my biggest at West, I mean, I was 310 pounds. And, mm. I mean, I was, I was 15% body fat, 310 pounds. Like I was a very large individual. How long did you train at Westside for? So I was there 2000. So we did that thing in 2001. I moved there in 2002. And right. so, so from 2002 to 2004, that was my competitive. And so it was short, right? Like this is burning star, man. Like two years, set the world on fire and then hurt myself. And that's, that's really what being sympathetic's about, right? That survival talk, a lot of NFL guys, like they say, right? There's two types of guys in the NFL. There's guys that make it a day and there's guys that make it 10 years. And the vets know in the first week, which guy you're going to be. Mm. And it's all based on are you just highs, highs, lows, low, all over the place, or are you just nice and set? Are you parasympathetic or are you synthetic? Mm-hmm. Guys that are in survival mode aren't going to make it. And and that's in life. That's whether it's NFL. That's whether it's business. That's, I mean, that's just this way it is. Yeah. So what you're talking about with RPR, it made you way more calm. Yeah. What I saw you, what I saw you do with Stephen Bell earlier. For someone like me, believe it or not, I know I've been speaking a lot on this podcast right now, but I'm actually an introvert. <laughs> um, so for what you did for him, because he, uh, for obviously people listening, he was sitting in the corner and he's just like, I just wanted to be out of the way. But you broke it down and explained like, no, like you're comfortable over there despite what you think in your head. Uh, you said psychologically you sat over there because you're more comfortable being away from people. When I saw that, I instantly started thinking about introverts because if you can kind of get rid of that block of not being like worried about being close to people, that would do so much for somebody like me. Well, the the thing is, and so I'll say this phrase and I said it to you guys and trust me, it, it took me all of, you know, three years to really wrap my head around this. Uh, your physiology drives all your behavior and whether you like someone, where you sit, what you do, how you talk to people, it's driven by physiology being so your your body essentially so so think of physiology as your body your nervous system and so essentially you know we're survival creatures the one thing we're hardwired to do is to survive so this might uh kind of lead into a little a little bit of uh when someone says someone's fat and lazy they're not necessarily right because they're driven by their physio they're like they're stuck on their couch because they're stuck on the couch and they they don't, they don't, they're not going to be able to all of a sudden be hit with a spell of motivation that gets them out running. Well, so that's interesting. There's, there's a, you know, everyone's heard of fight or flight. There's actually another mode and pardon me. It's uh, it's a very lesser known, but it's freeze. So this comes from something called polyvagal theory. And so it's in, in reptiles, they have it and we still have it as a character. And I truly believe that a lot of depression. So, so in 2004, Man, I was on top of the world. You know what Can I mean? Can you say what that's called again? Polyvagal theory. Polyvagal theory. Okay. And so uh, essentially it's just freeze, right? So the simple is, and, and this is one of my things. I hate using big words. Like to me, I just, I love making things simple. So you think about uh, a lizard. It sees a hawk overhead. It basically defecates itself and drops its heart rate almost like it's dead. That's freeze. And we still have that. And so that's what I believe happened to me in 2004 was, I was so stressed by being hurt. I was in so much pain. I had so many issues. I had absolutely no stability physically, physiologically. And so I went into freeze mode. And then people call it depression. But it's really a physiological state. So that person sitting on the couch, it's not that they want to be there, that they want to be fat. And that's what people use as psychology. Oh, you just got to be more. But literally, their physiology won't allow them. 
And for me, it wasn't that uh, I'm not a different person. Like, I'm a very caring person. I, I really do. I love people. I mean, I'm just, probably actually very sensitive. Like, a oh, lot of times yeah. people that want to punch someone in the face, you're having some issues uh, explaining your emotions and stuff, and you're, you're probably, uh, you probably would internalize stuff uh, by react, overreacting to something because you're sensitive. Well, and, and, It would set and you off. And so you'd be like, why did this person piss me yeah, off? I look at it. So, so people use a sensitive, and that, I think that's a wonderful psychological way to rationalize it. I look at it much different now. Uh, I don't look at it as sensitive. What I look at is it's about physiological safety. And so if I don't have safety within myself, then I have to actually destroy your safety so that I feel safe. And so now when people approach me or get mad or want to anger me, I'm like, that's cool. Because I actually have safety within myself. Whereas before, I would tear them down, make them cry, punch them in the face, do all these things. And so the crazy part about it is, you know, now my philosophy is how people treat others is just a reflection of their physiology, not a reflection of your behaviors. And so this is the thing. And now, because I feel this way, when someone treats me a certain way, instead of getting pissed off, I'm like, I think, holy cow, man, this person's really hurting. Because when I was punching people in the face, the bottom line is hurt people hurt people. And that was the thing. Like, I literally, like, I, I look at it as this trifecta. So I'm born, stabbed in the head, right? So that now, all of a sudden, that shuts down all my feelings. I grow up, uh, you know, when I was young, you know, we talked this with my mom was a camera, so we moved around, right? So, I mean, I moved 11 times from second grade to ninth grade, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, different schools. Then on top of that, when I was a little kid, uh, some stuff that I've recently dealt with, there was you know, uh, a lot of moving, there's a lot of moving parts. There was some sexual abuse stuff that happened. Right. And so I buried that, right. I don't want it. So you have all these things and all this turmoil. And so for me, I had absolutely no safety in life. So how did I display that? How did I gain my safety? I got big and strong and I beat everyone up. And so when I walked into a room, everyone was scared of me because they didn't know, right? Like even my good friends were like, on a bad day, might punch me. Right. Like, it just is that's what it was. Like they talked about it. you came into Westside and everyone was like, that dude's just crazy. And it was because I had absolutely no safety. So I had to dominate everything around me. And it was my physiology. It wasn't because I, I hated people. It wasn't because I was this mean a-hole, even though that's what it displayed as. It was literally because my physiology was driving me to gain some kind of stability. And so you talk about being an introvert. You, I know it, because you've mentioned it, that that's probably something you've worked on a lot. And I'm sure it's gotten better because you drew awareness to it until you change your physiology. It truly won't shift. And the cool part is, is changing your physiology, that introvertedness, it changes automatically. It changes subconsciously without actually working on it. And that, cause that's what it, it, that's what happens with physiology. So you say I was sensitive. It wasn't that I was, I think that's a great, so a, a lot of psychologists counselors, that's where they would go. Cause they look at that. To me, when you look at the physiology direction, I understand now it's because I had no stability within myself. So I had to dominate out and gain that by dominating everyone else. And so that's, it's just a different lens of, of understanding this stuff. And, you know, it's, it's crazy because, you know, we have in sleep is, is such an issue for so many people. So we have CEOs that come in. They I bet when you were that angry, you probably weren't sleeping well either. Oh. Dude, right. Yeah. Just mm. yeah. Not just not looking fit. back. You're like, man. If, even if I just got, because again, if you if you have your rest, you'll physically feel better. 
I mean, yeah. feeling better is where it's at, right? Yeah, and so we, it's funny, you know, we have CEOs that wear whoop, you know, whoop bands or different tracking, you know, auras, all these things, you know, Apple Watch. Yeah, I have an aura ring. Yeah, he's got an Apple Watch, yeah. So you go through RPR before you go to bed every single time. HRV gets better. Resting heart rate gets better. You actually start to get deep sleep. All these things start to shift in your sleep patterns. And so it's not because you're thinking, I want better sleep, right? Everyone wants great sleep, but we have all these sympathetics, these survival, these microdoses of stress that are hitting us all day long. And then we, if we can't let that go, right, if we don't have good strategies just inherently, which I definitely didn't, and then all of a sudden that stays with us, and now we're taking Ambien to go to sleep and we're doing these things. So we have a lot of CEOs that we work with. They'll walk in, heart rate will be, you know, 73, 74, go through RPR, you know, four minutes, boom, 52 heart rate. Now we start training, right? They do it before they go to bed, boom, stop taking Ambien, right? Like you just have all these crazy things. And so to your point, a hundred percent, it's your physiology is driving that introvertedness and it's because of certain patterns. And so, you know, the psychology of working on it is important. It's good. It builds awareness, Mm -hmm. but the physiology is context and and awareness without context becomes guessing. I just see it so beneficial for even is I don't I don't know if anybody will be able to make this connection, but like as a photographer, getting pictures up close with people is like real stressful because it's like okay, here's JL. Okay, I'm gonna take a picture, but I, I know he he knocks people out. Like, is he gonna <laughs> turn on me? But if you know, I did RPR and all of a sudden I'm now I don't feel so uncomfortable being close to somebody. That will benefit you know photographers everywhere just by doing that one simple thing. No, and, and that's it's so crazy. I mean, even the guy like there's a guy Matt Bernowski. So he's worked with me at the spot since day one. He's been I mean it'll be nine years this fall. I mean, and, and how he's made it that long with the way I used to be. I don't even know. Like we were doing board presses one day, and he was just wasn't paying attention to the board as well. I got up, I kicked, front kicked him in the chest, <laughs> right? And I was just like, if you don't care about me, I don't care about you, and like, and that that's just how I was, right? Like how he made it through. Like the dude's the same. And uh, it's just, and it's so funny. Like there I, is a certain way to hold the board, though. <laughs> in, in your defense, <laughs> only a power lifter, right? They yeah. were like, I get, you know, I kind of get it, right? And so, <laughs> and, and so that's. But just now, I mean, I went to uh, an NFL team. There was a kid who interned with us and has made his way up, and he's he's a strength coach with the NFL team. And uh, I was doing some stuff, and and we had we had dinner, and he just was like, dude you are a different human being, right? He was like, man, they're so lucky because I got yelled at a lot, right? Like, and that's how it was. And the thing was, I think the people who got to know me, uh, they got through all that and they learned, hey, Jail's a really good dude. However, like you, you had to put up with, with quite a bit of stuff to get through those, right? Because cause I didn't have safety. So it took me a long time to trust and to do these things. Whereas now it's like, okay, like this is just who I am. And, you know, so for me, the, like I said, the, the injury prevention, I said, we have, you know, college teams, NFL teams, high school teams that literally my son, my son's wrestling team is middle school wrestling team. There's 80 kids on team, huge middle school mm-hmm. wrestling team. So the head coach is a personal trainer, did our level one online for uh, RPR implements it with the team. What was cool is I was not involved in the process. Right. So, uh, First wrestling season in 13 years, they didn't have one concussion, 
right? And so that's amazing because it's my son and his friends. What's even cooler is at the high school, the basketball team does it, the, the football team, all these people, and they don't even know that I co-founded it, right? And my son's in the school, right? And finally, the dude basically made, he was like, hey, uh, you guys are implementing all this stuff. The dude who co-founded, like his son goes to our school. So let's just talk to him. But uh, it's amazing because, I mean, like I said, you know, we have, you know, strength coach, been a strength coach for football for 40 years, four-time NFL strength coach a year, implements RPR first season in 40 years, not one soft tissue injury. And, and those things are amazing, right? Because that saves millions of dollars. That, I mean, yeah. it's people's livelihood. I mean, setting big, every powerlifter I've ever shown, they set PRs, right? Those things are amazing. But that's this much of your life, right? That other 23 hours, that's to me, that that's where I, like it's changed. RPR's changed me the most in those, in the, that time. Are you aware of any studies that show, you know, I know that you mentioned the better uh, resting heart rate and things like that, uh, HRV improvements. Are you aware of any testing that's been done in terms of like, uh, I don't know, like say blood glucose levels or like uh, anything from a, because it, it, it must be doing something to your hormones and stuff. I wonder, yeah, I mean, I wonder if you'd be more resilient to like unhealthy food or something like, I, I don't know. Well, so it's interesting. I mean, we, we've, it's some, uh, we're getting a decent amount of people who are now starting to do some research. Um, you know, one of the interesting things is that you can't measure a neurological firing sequence as it's happening. There's just not, we, I mean, I'm sure in 10 years, someone way smarter than me will come up with something. What we can measure is outcomes. So, a so lot that of, thing that I had to show up my ass earlier, that was, <laughs> never mind. I I'm glad you believe that was RPR. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, I, you're the one who told me we had to do it. I thought, I thought that was something you knew. Oh, yeah. well, we all did it, right? <laughs> yeah. We all still left it in, right? <laughs> uh, and so, you know, it's, I mean, the thing with it, right, is, is that, these the people that are doing the research like fms uh a lot of people like that right so so kid did his master's thesis right statistically significant change in fms score instantly right what's a fms functional movement screen so Got it. it's it's okay. a way that some people really assess how people move and um so you know we have so like a lot of like we have clients at spot athletics who uh have, have come off blood pressure medication right i mean so there's a lot of anecdotal stuff and there's a lot of results based right i mean this team implements it they drop you know, soft tissue injury by 50%. This team implemented, they dropped concussions by 75%. Uh, we had a pro hockey team implemented, they dropped their man games loss from 360 to 180, right? 50% drop in man games loss. And so we have all this amazing uh, anecdotal. Yeah, it data. makes me wonder, like, what's possible? Maybe you can help someone's digestion. Oh, dude, no, it changes. So for me, so the, <laughs> it's funny. So, okay, no one likes to talk about poop, but we all do it. Oh, we and talk we, about we, poop all the time. Often. Yeah. yeah, so here's the thing. RPR, if there's one area that literally I never expect is is pooping. I had a big so, shit right after he touched me, by the way. I don't know if you guys remember I went to the bathroom, yeah. but let's keep going. Well, so But here's what it does. So when you have these firing patterns that aren't the proper patterns, it locks everything up. You go into implosion, and then everything can't move as well. So when I used to sit down and go, it was a 1,000-pound squat, right? It was just... Oh, right. <laughs> and and so that's a real power behind that, yeah, right? Yeah, and <laughs> really bared down on that. But and and that was it. Like I'd be like, oh, that's not too much blood. And so, oh, like, shit. but that was like every day for me, right? And so to me, it was just this is how life is. Well, then all of a sudden, I started doing this, and I'm just like, wait, it's just it just happens. Yeah, it, because with doing the breathing wake up drills, you set those patterns in the right sequence, and then again. When we talk, people talk parasympathetic, synthetic. Don't even forget about those terms. We don't even use them with our athletes. We talk about two states, performance and survival. 
So if you want to go to the bathroom and poop, nice, easy flow out, that's performance. Survival is there's a bunch of blood, right? And so no matter what you want to do, digestion, poop, sleep, lifting heavy ass weights, whatever you want to do and perform at your best, RPR will help you do it much better. And that's the thing is the cool part is it doesn't change, right? You don't change what you eat. You don't change how you train. You still use hip circle, right? We, we still use all that stuff. You still use everything, right? We still use your slings. You do all that stuff that you already know because this is something you do before all the stuff you're already doing. And it makes it all way more efficient, way more effective. And that's what's cool about this is like for people out there who are like, I love my training method. I love this. You literally don't change anything. It's literally whatever you do now, put in RPR before it, this gets better. I mean, and that's, it's, that's what's so cool about it. What's uh, like the weirdest thing that you've seen, you know, with RPR? Because like we were rubbing our cheeks and shit like that. And like, uh, you know, some of it gets to be a little, uh, a little strange, you know, for people that have never seen some of it before. What's kind of the strangest or most remarkable thing that you've seen where you're like, okay, even though I've been doing it for years, that still doesn't make any sense. I'll, I'll be honest, man. Even when we just did the rotation test and you got, you know, 70% and 100%, that still blows my mind. I yeah. mean, even, even just the stuff that, like, intellectually, I know most likely there's going to be this kind of result because I just, I've been doing it for so long and, and it just, it happens, right? And the cool part is, it's not me. I'm not the guru magic. Like, this is thou- tens of thousands. It's of already people. in your body. You yeah, just have to yeah, wake it up. Exactly, right? It's just allowing it. It's allowing your body. So this is what I say is RPR doesn't fix anything. It allows your body to optimally function. That's it. it. You have everything, right? It's like these lights. If these were five watt light bulbs, we turn the electric on, it'd be super dim in here. However, they're really, because they're higher wattage, it's brighter. So you have to do all your training to get more wattage. This just allows the electricity to run the right way so you can optimize and show what you have. Kind of unlocking another level. Exactly. And so whether it's flexibility, whether it's strength, whether it's conditioning, when you do RPR, it instantly gets better. And because all of those things, flexibility, strength, uh, and conditioning or endurance are all dictated by your nervous system. That's what controls all three of those things. And so what's crazy to me, and this was the light bulb, was I learned about the neuromuscular system in school he got everything i did before i learned this we skipped the neuro part and went right to the muscular mm-hmm. so how is it that the first part of the word's neuro but everything we're doing in our training skips it it's crazy right like when i, I was like i couldn't believe it seems it. like there's still not that much known i mean there's a lot known just because of all the experimentation but no it's it, the central it's, nervous system is like oh it's it's ba- a yeah. fucking guessing game yeah it, it's it's a baby field that's what's so crazy about our prs it's like a this gogile tendon or whatever the you know like there's weird things you can tap into that people still don't know how to even no and that really truly access well that's a cool thing about our prs it's such a simple system and it's any you do it all yourself and anybody can follow it right that's what's so amazing about this is, is that there's this great so you talk about the most amazing thing i saw so I can't explain why this happens, what, what you know, I, I have some ideas, I have some thoughts. Do I have a study that definitively proves it? 100% no. So I had a guy on my staff, uh, Cal was in, we were doing a clinic, and uh, we were doing some vision stuff. And so this gets to our level two stuff, but he had a neurological issue, and we literally, with a red, a red shaker, we basically were like, boom, and he's like, I can't see that. So he had a complete blind spot in his Whoa. entire world. He literally, I'm talking, it's red, right? I mean, you, and he literally could not see it. So he could see the shaker, couldn't see the shaker. 
it was literally that whole, his whole body shut off that part. And so he, we went through a sequence. And that's something that like he lived his life with. Yeah. So, so everything he did, right? So it's funny because he played baseball and he was like, oh my God. He was like, every time I would, I, I missed, like when he would turn this way, he would screw up. Like, so he ended up learning how to change his body. So he never had to turn this way. He would always, right? So you learn how to move around these things. You, you're not, you don't know they're there. But you just, that's why I say physiology drives behavior. Mm-hmm. And so we went through and reset it. And literally, dude, he, all of a sudden he could see it. His eyes changed. His whole body language changed because it was shut down. It was literally just shutting his whole body down. He, dude, he changed as a person. And so this is the crazy. I've seen this happen. And you talk about what's the craziest. Several times. And, and so there's kind of two things, right? There's RPR, all of it you do yourself. We go over vision. Be activated goes even deeper. So the craziest stuff I've seen is is going through be activated because we dive into emotion and I mean yeah it's the weird stuff where people end up crying and all kinds of stuff happens oh, right yeah. I mean tell us more about that yeah so I mean I've I've had that experience I mean I've had huge emotional releases I'm talking just like uncontrollable crying and just just crazy like I didn't talk to my mom for eight years. And through this work, literally, like, I'm, I'm talking, I went through some, some, some crazy just, and so whatever's in your brain is in your body. So what you do with the activity is you start to get all these things set up and in the right line, and then you start to unlock things out of your body. Mm-hmm. And so the best way I can describe it for people is, um, you know, psychedelics are very popular right now. I think in, in I don't know, very, but, but in a lot of people I talk to, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's growing popular. in popularity for sure. So basically, the way I try to describe people who've done psychedelics is like going through be activated is like doing a psychedelic without a drug, and so you're you're on a journey, right? And so it's it's and I I had this right, and I like a lot of this because I think that there are ways to access stuff. It doesn't always have to be with a drug, you know. There's no. you can activate euphoria just by listening to a certain song, you know. Exactly. Or I mean, you could. You could be overwhelmed with emotion driving down the street. Certain song comes on, you start crying and reminds you of something. Or, you know, you can act, you can kind of get gain some access to these things. But having ways to be able to do it on cue and have a system for it, that's that's some real stuff right there. I mean, that's I've, amazing. I've, I mean, I've seen just just with that. I mean, just really crazy. You know, people. Do you know what a neurogenic tremor is? I do not know. Uh, okay, so th- again, I hate using big words, but I just don't know another way to do it. But I'll give you the simple. You ever watch the Discovery Channel and a gis- uh, gazelle's getting chased? Mm-hmm. Not gazelle, that would be a different channel. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, So a gazelle gets chased, it gets away from the lion, it goes behind a tree, and it just shakes uncontrollably. Uh-huh. That's a neurogenic tremor. What it is, is it's nature's way of ridding trauma from our bodies. So animals do this naturally. That's really socially unacceptable to do for us. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is all this trauma gets lodged in our bodies, lodged in our bodies, lodged in our bodies, and we don't have a natural way anymore because of social convention to rid our bodies of it. And then, you, then you're introverted all of a sudden, right? And, and who knows? It might be something from when you were a kid, right? There's, there's, yeah, yeah. And so my stuff, a lot of it was. like so, so you go to kind of the sexual abuse thing. Like I never even knew that happened until I started going through this process. And then it started to, like, because there's huge chunks. By the way, there's a lot of people that are like that where they, they know they know something happened, but they don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people in that. Well, that, that is the thing, right, is uh, I, I, there's just large chunks of my childhood where even, even now I still don't remember. I mean, just we're talking like I remember 
I know stuff because I've heard stories, right? So you hear stories from siblings and things. And uh, however, there's just these huge chunks that I didn't even remember. And so, but going through this process, you talk about the creative stuff I've seen. It's definitely working with the active because it's all, it's all hands-on. It's practitioner-based. And it, and so what happens is it's with RPR. That's why I say RPR is is just amazing. Like I said, like we're talking, you know, 50% reductions in soft tissue injuries. People not having one soft tissue injury the entire, we were talking about crazy, crazy changes. And it's amazing. It's brushing your teeth. It's your, it's what you do every day to care for yourself. Because your nervous system, right? It changes instantly. It's like a light switch. So it's what you do to keep it where you need it. Be activated, man. It's going to the dentist, right? And we start to do a little drilling. And uh, and that's one of the things with RPR. When we first started doing it, we were kind of, we were doing be activated. We really didn't have, have it figured out, right? Because we were just learning. So we would do stuff with people and we'd be like, this is RPR. And then we'd be doing drilling and they'd be like, whoa, 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 I'm not ready for drilling. So now over time you see like, now it's just something that's like, oh, this is, this is nothing. It's like showering or, you know what I mean? Like, you don't, you're like, I don't know, is this going to do anything? And boom, you're twice as strong, right? You're like, this is, and so I've seen so many crazy things where people literally, they, they get up off the table and they get rid of some trauma. And it's, I'm talking like just shaking on control. Like I had this dude, like I'm talking shaking uncontrollably, foaming at the mouth, like just insane stuff, right? And I know what is this from? Like, what's the practice look like? And it, it's literally, uh, so you know, it's 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 literally, uh, it's going through this neurological philosophy and, and gaining stability for your body to allow these things to come out, basically. And, and it's still like a physical practice. Exercises? Yeah. No, 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 no. It's all it. So be activated is all hands on. So I, you, so if you and I were going to do a session, I would lay you down and go through an entire sequence of things where I would be working on you. So it's, it's practitioner based. Mm. It's not something you can do yourself. Active that, release type of type of thing or something along those lines. Yeah. It's, it's, it's different than that. Cause it's all based on your nervous system and a philosophy. So it, here's the thing, what I'll say, it, it gets really complicated. The real simple of it is you would lay down and I would be rubbing on you in certain sequences in certain areas. That's the simple of it, right? Mm-hmm. And that may not make sense to people. And people be like, jail is crazy. That's cool. I know what I've seen. I know what I felt. So you know what I mean? Right. The thing with RPR was be activated. It's just not scalable. Like, mm-hmm. like I would have to lay you down and we would do work for like two And months. I wouldn't remember what the hell you did. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even it, if I tried to show someone else or whatever. You can't. Take time. Yeah. Take a long time. And so that's what's cool is with RPR. It's just, we've, it's just simplified. You can do it all yourself. It makes you instantly stronger. It makes you less stressed. So you sleep better. All these things. So it gives you huge changes. But, but there's more, right? It's just like brushing your teeth and going to the dentist. There's more. And that's, you know, for me, that I've seen so many crazy changes from, you know, people literally. I'll, I'll tell you one that's really crazy. And this was, it's 100% all RPR based. So I was at a, uh, at an event in Nashville. And there was a person who was administrating this event. It was a business thing. And uh, very nice lady. She was limping crazy. And, I mean, she was in a lot of pain. And she said, and, you know, I can relate to people in a lot of pain because I've been in a place where I couldn't get out of bed to go pee and had to pee myself in bed because I couldn't move. Right. Shit, like, and so, uh, when you've been there, you get a lot more empathy and compassion for people who are hurting. And so I see her limping. I'm like, what's going on? Said, oh my God, my knee and blah, blah, blah. And I have to have it replaced, but I just don't have time. And she goes into this whole thing. So I said, you know what? I, I know the system. It's a system of daily self-care things you can do every day that will help reduce some of that pain and help you feel better. And she's like, show me. So literally we're at this thing. We go out in the hall. I lay her down. I start showing her, right? And so she's doing the breathing. She's doing the wake-up drills. I'm showing her how to do everything. And we spend, you know, 30 minutes, right? And I'm just kind of showing her how to do everything and go through. And uh, she gets up and starts walking. 
And now while she's doing it, she's pouring sweat because her whole nervous system, the firing pattern shifty. And so her body is on two. So she just started, and I'm talking mascara's running, right? Like she's pouring sweat. And I've never seen someone have a, a reaction. Like I've seen people sweat a little bit because everything changes and it shifts the way their nervous system's working. But this is like, I'm talking mascara running. And so she gets up, she takes four steps and faces. She's just like, oh my God, that pain's gone. And she literally just starts bawling because she's been in so much pain. And I'm just like, awesome. Just do that every day. Right, because it's your nervous system. So it, you get stressed out, it can shift right back, right? Like you, you, those patterns can shift right back. But it doesn't matter because you know how to shift them where you need them. And that's the thing for me. Like a couple months ago, I have a, a five-year-old. Um, he just turned five, so he was four. We're going through Target. I've had seven knee surgeries. My knee locks up. My kid, he loves Transformers. He's, he's heading to the Transformer aisle, right? He's, like, he's gone. He's heading to the Transformer aisle. I'm stuck because I can't move. So I got my breathing, my wake up just boom, I'm right back walking. Wow. Right. Like it's just, and that's the thing to me. Like it, when I tell people it's changed my life, I, I can't, it's like, I don't have the words to really describe how much you talk about being introverted. I've seen people go from shy introverted to just being like, Hey, what's going on? Yeah. Just a, a dude who like could never hug another person. Now, every time I see him, he gives me a hug. Right. Like just crazy things like that. What about like uh, migraines or something like that? So it, it's interesting. I've seen, uh, with RPR, I've seen people who have migraines. I've seen that get better. Um, I've also, there's, there's some more deactivated stuff that I've really seen work some, some big wonders, but it's not stuff you can do yourself. I've definitely seen some, some good changes from mm -hmm. RPR with migraines. And a lot of what it is, is it's these patterns and it creates implosion in the head. Mm -hmm. So we talk about basically your body needs to be an explosion and it's putting force out into the world. And, and, that's basically your head starts to get imploding and it hurts, mm -hmm. right? Like it hurts. You know, this gets me really, really curious because we just had Eddie Hall on, right? And Eddie Hall was talking about, you know, pulling 1102 and the lengths he had to go psychologically to get there. He went to a psychiatrist who told him like these things that he could do to be able to activate all these different muscle groups that definitely aren't, that typically aren't activated. He said something like, typically you're activating 60, 70%. This allowed, this allowed you to activate more, right? He went to a really dark place to do that. He said he was going blind and all these things were happening. And I guarantee that some people, especially high level individuals listen to that, they're going to go try and find a psychiatrist to access some dark shit to be able to pull some heavier weight. I'm curious when you were talking about activation here differently, as far as RPR is concerned. And when you were doing those drills on me, like it, there's no fucking joke. When you were pushing me, I was pushing as hard as I could and I couldn't resist. Let's say high level athletes are able to get access to this. Would it have that same effect without the detrimental, I guess, yeah, what happened to Eddie when he was going in and out in terms of consciousness and all of that? Could this have a similar effect in your opinion? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, to me, I've, I've seen it have the same effect. And so the way. Yeah, you would, you would rage out under weights too. I oh mean, you God. lifted big weights. So, yeah, what's the comparison there, you think? So, so the way I look at it is I look at it the difference, and, and maybe this makes, but so if you, you know, you talk about going to these crazy, crazy, crazy dark places, and, and what happens is we get these huge bumps of adrenaline, and we get all these things, and, and it's good. But I look at that as, as hate fueled. And so you, you got a choice, right? This is like two pass. So when I, I look at West side, my time at West side and everything at West side, I did, it was hate fueled. It was, I want to destroy everything. And, and, and I did, I destroyed my body, right? Like I destroyed everything and relationships, right? Like, I don't care. It's your birthday, honey. I got, I, I got a bench day, right? Like, I mean, just destroy everything. 
And so it was all hate fueled. And what, what the thing about hate is it can be a great motivator. Like, you know, you, you own businesses. So like hate can be a great motivator. Like, you do this or you're fired. Well, hate is rocket fuel. And rocket fuel gets you a great place, but rocket fuel also explodes. And it burns out really quickly. And this is what we're talking about in the NFL. You're one day or you're 10 years. So guys come in on rocket fuel, they make it one day and they burn out, right? So the way I look at RPR, it's, it's allowing your body to fuel from a place of love. And so the, even the way I look at training, I used to train to destroy my body. Now I train because training is an expression of what my body can do. And it's because I train because I love my body and I want to be able to display all the amazing things it can do versus I want to destroy my body. And that place of feeling from love, the thing about love is it's never ending. And so that's when I look at these things, I look at, right, we can get to the, we can get to the same point, right? But if I get there by exploding and destroying myself or I, right, it's survival and it's performance. And so I can survive, right? I survived, right? I had a herniated, I have all this time at West. I survived. But did I truly perform, Right. Steve Goggins gave me, you know, for people who don't know Steve Goggins, I mean, he's, he's a legendary powerlifter. And, uh, you know, we were doing an, uh, an event oh, a couple of years ago, five years ago, something. First guy to squat 1,100 pounds. He did it right here at the WPO finals here in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, I mean, Steve, Steve's at the a, Arnold. Yeah, he's a legend. I mean, he's one of the greatest powerlifters of all time. And, uh, you know, Steve, I don't know, five years ago or something, gave me probably one of the greatest compliments I've ever been given in my life. And he said, you know, all the numbers that everyone's doing now, he said, I've never seen anyone that was stronger than you. If you would have just stayed healthy, you'd be destroying all these numbers. And I was like, man, that coming from that guy, dude, I was yeah. like, geez. And uh, the thing about it was I couldn't because everything I did was survival. And so if I could have came from that place of performance and been like, hey, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to do good things. I'm going to display what I can do. So 100%, you can access it and you can access it in a better more healthy way and you could probably have a combination you know i I think that just because there's a yin and yang yeah you you, you can't be all so and that's a great point mark i mean you can't so the way i look you could still you know put you know the the locker room posts i kind of call them you know the new england patriots do this every well they they didn't win this year but like they do it almost every year like oh there's now they're saying brady's too old and uh, belichick you know won't be able to figure it out because then the same players or and they take these uh you know newspaper clippings and put them in the locker room and they use that to fuel them. You could still have that. I think you could still have a chip on your shoulder. It's just, I agree with you though. It can, you know, you might want, might want to be a little careful with it. And also it's not a great thing to rely on what you're teaching and talking about is much more reliable. Well, and the the way I look at it, like I've done a lot of work with different football teams and and I I was doing some research for a book. And, and the, the thing about this is when, when you're in the locker room, uh, a lot of people in locker rooms, and you think about pilots meets and this and that, guys who are really successful never focus on another lifter. They just focus on themselves. I'm going to do what I do. Because what you lift is what you lift, and where it lands is where it lands. The so guys or, or gals who focus on someone else, they always end up getting hurt, going crazy attempts, bombing out. That's because like what we teach is basically, a, we call it a one, two, three philosophy, right? So one is yourself. So if you don't have all the strength and stability within yourself, then you try to get it from zone two, which is friends and family, or zone three, which is everybody else in the world. So if you're lifting for the approval of everyone in the world, you're going to get hurt because you you can't get everyone's approval, right? And so with this, in the locker room, there's there's two ways to be, and we've seen people like this in power meets or sporting teams, but it's like, we hate those guys. We're going to destroy those guys. That's hate field. Or 
I love everyone in this room so much that I don't want to lose. And I'm going to do my job to the utmost because I love and respect everyone in this room so much. That right there, that's what wins in athletics. It's what wins in life. It's the long-term play. The short-term play is I hate, I hate, I hate. And that, hey, what about using that strategy in war? Like, oh, I hate the opponent so much, and you go running out, and you go trying to shoot the enemy, and it's like you're going to die. You're no, going yeah, to die fast, dude. And, and Maybe I, you'll kill a couple people, but right, you're going to die quick. Yeah, right. And, and that's, I mean, I've, I've never served, but, but speaking to friends that have, right, like in, in war, you don't, you know, the people that I've spoke to, obviously on a personal experience, they talk about it, like they don't shoot the enemy because they hate the enemy. They shoot the enemy because they love the guy next to him so much they don't want anything to happen to him. And, and that's the thing, right? Like the, the guys that go in and I've talked to some, some high level operators about this. Like the guys who go in who are like, I just want to kill this, but they're going to burn out and they're, they're going to get hurt. They're going to, I mean, they're just going to wash out. And so it's, it's that, it's that concept. But I do think there's that yin and yang, right? Like, so all that stuff that was in me, it's still in me. The way I look at it now is that, that hate, that rage, that anger, it's a part of me. And so for me, I look at it like before, it's what controlled me. It's what controlled all my behaviors, how I acted, how I talked. And now it's inside me, but I have control of it. And that's a fuck ton more dangerous. Because someone messes with my daughter, right? Someone messes with my family. Right now, it's not, I'm not, it's not out of control, Right, like I've I've been out, of, I've been stomping on people's faces, and if someone didn't pull me off of them, like I would kill them, and literally would not have cared at certain points in my life. Now all that stuff, it's still inside me, but now I have control of it instead of it having control of me. And having control of that, that's the yin and yang. That's the power. This reminds me of a Hulk from the Avengers, the new Avengers movie. Oh yeah, where uh, <laughs> Banner is like in control of the Hulk instead well, of. So the, here's like the deal, right? Way. Oh. Oh, no snap. If you guys can't see this, this is the fucking Hulk on his arm. He has a tattoo of it. So swear to God, right? We, we do these things inherently, naturally. Ever since I was a little kid, I identified with the Incredible Hulk. So I got that tattoo when I was 18 years old because I identified my entire life with the Hulk. And it's so funny as I've gone through this, pro- I didn't know why, mm-hmm. right? But in college, like I, like I have a helmet at my house with it's cracked because I used to, I, I was, I was starting fullback, but if we scored quickly, I had a deal with the special team coach where I could run down and, and basically wedge bust and just crush people. And I would just spear people. And so I cracked my helmet spearing a dude, put him like he was out like hospital ambulance, the whole deal. And so I was so like, I, I was just always that. So, and I, I, I just resonated with the Hulk. And it's funny as I go through this, it's exactly, you know what I mean? It's so funny that you made that reference. Yeah. It's so funny. That's yeah, awesome. and I know that you have that tattoo. So when he said it, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it also seems like uh, going the positive route can compound better than going negative, right? Yeah, I mean, 100%, right? And so when these patterns are working in the right way, right? So, so what So what you put out into the world is what you get back. I, tr- I truly, truly believe that. Mm-hmm. And so, if Did you, you used to? <sighs> I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> right. If someone told you that, you'd be like, fuck you. You'd probably punch I'll them. punch them in the face. <laughs> right? Guess what you just got? <laughs> hey, JL, did you know that what you put out is what you're going to get back? Guess you what? shouldn't be mean like you that. You just got, uh, like, you got two Bam. less teeth. <laughs> so, I don't know who you gave teeth to, but you just lost two. Uh, no, that, and that's really how it would have been. All this stuff I'm saying... Five years ago, if, if literally, and so it's funny, right? People are going to listen to this podcast. This is at the end, right? But 
if people are listening to me, me five years ago, if I heard a couple of trailers of some of the stuff we're talking about, I'd be like, this dude's full of shit. I wouldn't even listen to me, right? Like, that's how crazy this stuff is. I wouldn't even listen. And so it's so funny to me because uh, I actually, in my organization, there's, there's some physiological things. You know how people cut on each other, rip on each other? It's this thing we always, you know, I grew up, it was, a, I'm, I'm good at it, right? Because I grew up in an environment where sarcasm was, was the preferred method of communication. I've gotten to a point now where I believe sarcasm is just thinly veiled negativity. And so ripping on people is actually you trying to gain physiological stability and support. <laughs> no, and that's it. It's because you don't have safety within yourself. So think about an organization and just think about this, right? I'm not saying people have to change or do whatever. I, I have really worked to avoid doing that. I still do. I fall back to old patterns, right? I still do. I've really worked to not do that because if I see someone, right? So think about um, you're, in a, you're in a group of friends and everyone's always cutting each other and everyone's laughing. It's funny because it's good nature. We all love each other. It's, it's great. But really what it is, is it's just everyone's trying to cut down each other's physiological safety so that they can feel safe. And so what if in that organization or in that group of friends, all of a sudden you walk in and instead of saying, why are you flexing your biceps? It's like, man, you know what? You're looking pretty jacked, dude, man. You've been training hard. Yeah. But, he is flexing his no, biceps. But, but look at those. <laughs> but, right, but, but how different is that feeling for me? Now, it's funny, right? Like, cut yeah. out, it, it is funny, no doubt. But how different is that space that gets created from just now all of a sudden? You're like, dude, you know, like, Mark, man, you're looking really lean and, and jacked, right? Versus, like, I, my old route would be like, oh, God, you're being so queer. You're not powerlifting. You can't squat it, right? Like, I would just be cutting. I would yeah, be cutting on sandwich, stuff. dude. Yeah, like, God, I mean, geez, you want another piece of lettuce next week, right? Like, you know, so <laughs> it's like, uh, and so that's how I lived, right? I would cut people down nonstop. And so I just want to live in a place. I'll walk through airports now, and so I'm the most relaxed traveling. People are so stressed out in airports. Mm-hmm. I walk through the airport, and it's like if I see a, a girl with nice nails, work, like excuse me, I was like, those are really nice nails. Where'd you get those done? Those are great. They're like, huh? Who's this guy? Yeah. And so, like, if I see someone with like a nice shirt or something, like, I'll be like, hey, that's a great shirt, right? Just why not? Because I'm just gonna mm-hmm. give, like, I'm just gonna give them a nice dose of like they they put time, right? Like they, they wear like whatever you put time into working out, right? So it's like. I don't want to cut on that because that that's part of that person's identity. It's something they care about. It's something they do. And so, because here's what I know now, and this is what you put out comes back. So if I'm just putting out just good stuff to people, then hopefully some good stuff. Cause quite honestly, I, I got a lot of years of putting out bad stuff to make up for. <laughs> like, like there's, there's a balance in the universe. That's definitely tipped not in a good way for a lot of people's interactions with me. And, and I've had to apologize to a lot of people. Like, like people that just, you know, maybe they were young in the field and like I was at the top of the game and I was a complete a-hole, right? And I've just been like, you know what, man? I, I was a dick, dude, and I'm sorry. Like, that was totally uncalled for. There was no reason for that. And, you know, some people are like, no, man, I respect that. That's cool. And other people are like, I don't want to talk to you. And it's like, okay, I've said my piece and what you do with that's on you and I can only do what I do. So 100%, man, what you put out, it, it's mm-hmm. what you get back. And if you're putting out great things, I feel like that's what comes back to you. And, you know, there, there's just a lot of environments where that, that constant cutting and that hate and this, this, and some of those environments like Westside Barbell, people look at them and they look up and they think that's the best way to be. But you know what they don't see? <laughs> they don't see, they don't see the closed doors, right? They don't see me going somewhere with Louie and having someone inject a needle this long into my spine. And I still don't know what they put in my spine, right? Like they don't see that stuff. 
right? They just see the, the West Side versus the world, right? right? They see JL writing his name on the board and they're like, oh, I would like to be like that. No, no, man. There's a much better way to get to even better level of performance. And so that's why I think is, is we model these things because some of these top performers, right, we take exceptions or we take things we don't fully understand or haven't gotten really to see what it really is. And then people model that and they think that's what it looks like. And for me, I just, you know, I have a certain lens that I look at things now. Obviously, I've talked a lot about it today and, and it's it's vastly like I used to be the guy in the locker room that was just like, raw, raw, like banging my head into the locker. And so, I mean, that was me, you know, would you say that like maybe when you lift now that you you're going to rely on your new knowledge, right? But you also still might rely on a chip on your shoulder um, kind of mentality, but it's just for yourself. It's not like, it's not like you're grumpy, like fuck everybody else. Like I grew up this certain way, you know, and, and it's not you being angry. It's just you wanting to prove more to yourself. So it's, it's coming maybe more from like a positive way or are you just like super, like just calm and relaxed and there's like no hype or, or no signs of anger or aggression at all when you lift? No. So I would say, like, and this is one of the reasons I got back into jujitsu because I wanted to do something that, you know, I wrestled in high school. So, I mean, I was pretty good. I took second in the state. I mean, I was a solid wrestler and I liked jujitsu. I love combat in um, Michigan. Yeah. Yep. That's really good wrestling right there. And so, Damn. uh, the, the thing about it was I got back into it cause I wanted to do something that I didn't have to be the best in the world at, that I just enjoyed. That was great movement. And it, you know, it's, it's like chess, you know I mean? It's, it's just wonderful. It's, it's, it's thinking, it's moving, it's doing all these things that I enjoy and I'm, I, I'm going to compete. However, it's a challenge for me personally. So I don't know if you ever do uh, different personality assessment things. Um, there, there's no, I haven't like Myers Briggs and stuff. There's Myers Briggs. There's this. There's a bunch of them. There's one I really like. It's called Cultural Index. I'm going to send it to you. Oh. It, it's it's awesome. I'll, I'll send all. It, okay. it, it's great. I actually use it when I uh, when I hire staff at the spot. I do a cultural index, and they have to fit within a certain thing, and then I know basically what their strengths and weaknesses are. And so it, it's awesome. And so I got mine, and uh, the guy who's doing the results, he's just gets on the phone and he's just laughing. I said, what are you laughing about, man? He goes, look for everyone. There's different, uh, personality, t- you know, we kind of, we, there's these things we've like the philosopher, right? The, this, the, that, and he goes, your, your profile is so extreme that there isn't a profile type that your three standard deviations off the chart one way and your three standard deviations off the chart the other way. And so those two areas are aggressiveness and you can guess which way that one is. And the other one is patience. And you can guess which way that one is. And so, so literally he's just laughing. He's like, dude, he's like, basically what this test tells me is you would kill your own mother to win at something. And, and that, but that's like, for me, it's like always being the best. So for me, like a personal practice and thing, cause when I lift, I do still fall into those old patterns, right? I still do, right? I'm lifting, I'm good. I'm relaxed. And then something switch, right? It's a light switch something flips and all of a sudden I'm just, I go back to old jail because it's like bar on my back, bar on my hand. Right. And so for me, that was one of the things where I I wanted to really get back to something that was just about enjoyment and something where I didn't have to be the best in the world. And I didn't have this preconceived, right? Like I know, right. I've benched 775. I've deadlifted 804. You know, I've I've put a thousand pounds on my back, right. I've never gotten into meat, right. 954 is my best. But so, uh, it's, it's like, when I put a bar on my back, if I'm bench pressing, right. And 
I know that I've held 800 pounds over my face, right? So, so it is. So that's still something I'm working through. That's still something I'm, I'm working through because it's hard to stay relaxed when I have all these old ways of doing things. And as a strength coach, which I think is uh, more of your beginning background, For right? Sure. Um, you know that all that's happening when we're lifting weights, you know, like all that's happening when you're benching 775, which looks crazy to somebody because it's like eight or nine plates on each side or whatever it ends up being, it will baffle people. They'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, someone was able to do that. But really it's just an adaptation. It's just your, your body is adapted uh, to a training stimulus over a period of time. You have adapted, you have uh, kind of earned the right to be able to lift that weight that way. It wouldn't be any different if you went underwater and held your breath for three minutes. Like you just somehow at some point you made yourself used to that. And then you might be able to do five minutes. And I think people can do like 10, like people can do crazy stuff, but it's really just an adaptation to it. If you're on the uh, assault bike and you're going as hard as you possibly can, you said, give me a sprint hundred percent for a minute, right? That's just like, there's no way. It's just like death, right? I think you can only sprint for just a few seconds, no matter what shape you're in, you start to kind of fall apart. But again, if you're just telling yourself, well, like this isn't really necessarily hard. This isn't necessarily, uh, going to be anything that's going to kill me just my heart rate has increased oh wow like i'm breathing a lot heavier like oh man my legs are dead but you can even switch your mindset and you can start to concentrate on something else if you think about uh specific things um jp price yesterday he's uh one of the few guys to walk out a thousand pound squat and squat it um there's more been people more recently but he he was one of the first he was saying before he would do his big squats rather than like being raged out and fired up and crazy. I'm sure he, his, his senses were heightened. I'm sure he looked like he was into it. And I'm sure that he kind of went up there with some vigor and some, some sort of aggression. Well, right? this is, he was potentiated. Right. Right. So that like potentiated a little bit of excitement, but still super calm. Right. And then so when he unracked the weight, all he thought was step, step, because he was thinking about his two steps. Like if he could walk it out, he knew he could squat it. So he went to something specific, and there's a lot of science, a lot of research that talks about this. If you have something that you're really stressed out about or you have a lot of anxiety, I don't know if you ever heard this before, but they say to do math yeah. or do something very specific. You know, yeah. Think of something very specific. So in this case, for him, it was step-step. Uh, when I was benching at one point, you know, I would think when the weights were coming down, you remember how long my benches used to take? Yeah. Well, the way I was able to I'm hang in that. there is, is I was able to think of something specific while I was doing it. I would uh, think, push my knees out, push my knees out. Because if I knew if I pushed my knees out, I would be in a better position. I'd be more up on my traps and I would be kind of holding a position uh, better. And I just, once I focused on that, I'm like, as long as I maintain my position, once I get the weight to touch, eventually after 20 seconds or so, I'll be able to end up uh, pressing it back up. Doesn't matter what the weight is. Well, I think, and this is one of the things when we started teaching RPR, that people who we were teaching to got confused because they just went like, oh, this is it. This is the only thing. No, 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 no. Everything you just talked about, use all of that, right? That's a, that's a good RPR. It's subconscious change. And then you still got to use all the great cycle. So this is a thing. It's not, you can't just do the body and forget about the mind, right? But you just can't do the mind and forget about the body. Mm-hmm. It works as one unit. And that, you know, it, it gets down basically, you know, if you guys, for listeners, basically there's, uh, you know, I think therefore I am. Pe- most people have heard of that, right? So Descartes. Oh, great. Here yeah. we go. No, so. Another no, two hours. No, no. So <laughs> it, it's simple. Descartes, you know, he says that. And right, and from that point, uh, you know, we'll call it 300 years ago. 
essentially what happened was Cartesian method of, of modern medicine started, which was psychology gets the brain and medicine gets the body. And literally for, for thousands, it literally recorded history. Everybody treated everything as one unit, right? So there's great Latin saying, men sound like poor sano, sound mind and sound body. And everyone treated as one unit. So think about this is literally our healthcare. All these things are broke. All this stuff, all these things are, are, are these issues. But yet the way we're dealing with it is we've only done it this way for about 300 years. And for, for the past, you know, 10,000, they did it together. And that's what we teach with our PR is you have to do all of that stuff, but you have to do the stuff for your body. You have to do the nervous system, the subconscious. Because again, what did I say? I said, psychology is awareness. Physiology is context. Well, context without awareness isn't any good either. Right? These things have to be together. All right. Well, now I have to ask this question because this sounds quite obvious. You, you are a believer in, in the multiverse theory probably. Uh, I mean, I watched Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, is the earth flat? Uh, well, I mean, some people think it is, uh, and I'm not going to argue with them because I don't want to be confused in that conversation. Uh, and, and so, but no, I mean, here's like, I believe that, uh, one, I'm good with what anybody believes. Right. I, I just think awesome. Right. Because what someone else believes doesn't impact what I believe. Right. Now I'll, I'll listen. Right. I've, I actually, I've listened to some stuff on the flat earth stuff and I'm like, not for me. Right. And that's cool. Uh, I, I didn't think it would be, but how, how can I really make a decision unless I at least entertain, right. That, that, that. And so for me, uh, the way I look, so when you look at the universe, I mean, essentially I think most people would agree that, that all ener- energy can't be created nor destroyed. Right. I think most people would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if that's the case, then all energy that has ever existed exists today, which means it, it's just switched and changed. And so I think there's a lot of that, that if you look through back through thousands of years, they really channeled a lot of that type of work and people now kind of poo poo it and say this, but now if you look at what they're doing with quantum computing and some of these things where they're actually going, wait, we can do some things with this stuff. And when you look at like quantum mechanics and all this stuff, they're starting to actually be able to prove. Now, the people who are doing it are way smarter than me, right? I can show you guys some crazy stuff that'll blow your mind that uses the theory of it and some other things. And I can show you cool results. I can't like explain why it all happened. Like, but so I don't know if I believe in the multiverse. I definitely believe there's, here's what I believe. Five years ago, before I learned any of this, I thought I understood 90, 95% of what was going on in the body and the world. As I sit here today, I understand probably 2 to 3%. That's what I believe. I just believe that I can't know what I don't know. So if you say you believe in the multiverse and you got a good reason for it, look, tell me what your reason is. I don't know if that's what I'll believe, right? But I just know at this point there's so much I, I know that I don't know that I, I just have a hard time arguing with people about stuff. That's a great way of looking at it, 2 or 3%, and it's only 2 or 3% of what you're able to know. Yeah, because no one it. will ever know everything. I mean, right? So. No, that, and hopefully, right? We podcast in a year from now. I'm at a solid one to two percent because it means I've learned more, right? Like it's exposed stuff that I didn't know, right? So, uh, yeah, that's. I think with people, you know, and, and this is kind of what I'll finish with, and, and this wraps up essentially kind of my whole like the philosophy thing, and and this is this isn't RPR. This is just where I've got. Like, this is just where JL's got. Right. The reason I've gotten there is because I do RPR every day and I'm able to sit in a space where I can think about things and not just be like, ah. <laughs> so really, I never, so this is crazy. I never drank coffee my entire life. 
I didn't. I was just like, Rah! and it's so like I was like, who needs coffee? This is ridiculous, right? Like, Mike Tyson said that too. He's like, like, you don't want me to drink coffee, right? Like, I don't like what, like, and so, uh, so, so this is kind of the last thing that that I'll leave. I know this is, we've gone over, which is it's been awesome stuff. Uh, so, the way that I work to to really go about everything, including you know coming here to do this podcast or anything I do in life at this point. I really, really focus on not having any expectations. And my reasoning for that is that expectations end in two outcomes. One, the thing I wanted happens. Or two, failure. Disappointment, yeah. Disappointment. And so when I thought about this a lot, I thought, well, wait a minute. So I'm obviously super high when I'll push. So the thing I want to happen, I'll make happen. I'll make that happen. Regardless, if I have to break my back, I'll make it happen. But the thing is, I can only think of a finite amount of possibilities. If I go in with no expectations, there's an infinite amount of possibilities that can happen, and I can never be disappointed with what happens. And so for me, that's how I live. Like, I was in Austin. I got my car towed a couple of weeks ago. I was having dinner with a friend, and I got towed, and I walked out, and my car got towed. Now, old me, someone would have gotten knocked out. But I just walked out and went, all right, I guess the universe wants my car to get towed. And then I just literally went and I was like, okay, where do I get it? Just went on and just got it and went on with my day. And to me, I don't have an expectation that my car is going to be there or, or I'll say I work to not have that because obviously, right, I fall into to old patterns. And when I do, when I saw that, I instantly felt, right? I instantly, when I saw my car was gone, I instantly started to go and I went, whoop. And I went and started doing my breathing, my wake-up drills. Yeah, self-awareness. Yeah, I just started doing my breathing, my wake right? It, it's the psychology and then the physiology, right? And I bring the RPR in, boom, and then I'm just walking. could through. also be like, huh, this is going to be fun. Right, Like, yeah. you're saying to yourself, you know, I'm kind of screwed, you know? I need to figure out how to get my car back and well, but but I don't even, not, like, not worrying about it, not, you know, Well, I don't even fun. look at it like that. I don't even see it, uh, and this comes to zero expectations. I don't look at my car being towed as a good or a bad thing. It's just a thing. And because I believe that the universe has such a bigger plan and I can't imagine the plan it has. So it's a thing and not even like an inconvenience necessarily. No, because it's just your interpretation of it. What about this, right? And I'm not, but what if I would have gotten my car and I would have turned and got T-bone and killed? And that was just the universe's way of changing my route, right? I don't know, right? I don't know. I can't know. No one can know. But, but that's a possibility. And if that's a possibility, how can I get mad at that? What if it's just the world being against you though? Like it used to be. Well, <laughs> well, that was, right? It was everyone was against me. And now I'm just like, it just is what it is, man. So I appreciate you having me on, brother. This was awesome. Yeah, I, it was I love so it, good man. to keep up, man. Yeah, it's, this is... this is. It's, uh, it's been too long, man. It's been yeah. too long. So, and it was great. Great, obviously, getting to know you guys as well. So thanks for having me. I really appreciate sure, it. Thank you. So where, yeah. where, so where did you... Uh, your language on this is really, really clean. You know, I, there's, there's probably not one spot where you learned a lot of stuff. Um, but if you could point and reference people to maybe a few guides, books, podcasts, uh, videos, mentors, Mark, um, Mark Bell's podcast, that's where I learned <laughs> yeah. everything. There you go. Uh, yeah. If you have any suggestions on, you know, some stuff that you maybe picked up over the last two, three years that you think has been really, cause again, like the way that you're wording everything is very digestible, very under, very understandable. So it'd be great to know if uh, you have some resources that you could share out. Yeah, I mean, honestly, so all this stuff is just tons of rabbit holes that I've spent a lot of time with. And the cool part is I, I've actually 
now in a space where I can just sit and think about things, which is, which is really cool. Uh, and so for me, one, one great, obviously, uh, you know, our online course reflexiveperformance.com. If they go there into our online course, uh, I'm updating. So a lot of this stuff I've been spending a lot of time with. So what's great about the online is it, it updates it's evergreen. So there's language on there that's, you know, a year old and now next month we're reshooting and I'm updating all the language because I've, find better ways. Um, the other thing I would say is, uh, on Instagram, it's coach underscore JL. I post a lot of just, this is how I think about this stuff. So this, I work through a lot of stuff on there. Right. And, and I hope that everyone picks up from you that you have really worked for a long time on, uh, mastering, like being a better coach. And I think oh. that maybe some trainers and sometimes some coaches maybe are kind of like missing that they, they continue to search for like kind of like what they're interested in, which is great. And that you're obviously going to do that all the time, but being able to provide people with more information that they would be interested in, that's going to help them to, uh, you know, kind of get to the next level is really critical. And when I saw, and Seema sent me some links, um, when he sent me some of the links to what you guys have, you have like these 30 second, 90 second, 60 second videos. There's like hundreds of them. And I thought, man, this is great because it was so clean and so smooth. And you, you mentioned in the video, you said, hey, I want to just speak in as little as words as possible. And you were showing the guy that you were showing your client, basically, how to even coach it back to you. And he coached it back to you. You made a small correction. You said, well, you know, we still want to say it in like a shorter shorter pattern. But the video is still only 30 seconds or so. Well, I think you know, one of my favorite sayings is, is if you can't explain it simply, you simply don't understand it. And uh, you know, the, the thing with that is simple is not easy, right? The simplest thing in the world, squat a thousand pounds. You put a thousand pounds bar, you go down, you come up simple, ain't easy. And so I've spent just thousands of hours thinking on this stuff and sitting and, and, and it's been, it's, it's been a process. And so, you know, as far as resources, I think, you know, reflexperformance.com, they can do our online course, uh, coach underscore jail on Instagram. I just, I post a lot of just walking through a lot of this stuff. Cause for me, it's like I said, man, I, I've, <laughs> the, the amount of messed up stuff that, that I've gone through in my life, that's, that's its whole own deal, right? The bottom line is because I've gone through that, like, I don't want other people to have to struggle as much as I did, right? If I can provide a couple answers for someone, like the 25-year-old jail, right? If I can help the 25-year-old jail maybe get arrested a few less times for assault, right? Like, that, that's some good in the world. And, uh, and as far as books, I, you know, I really, there's, there's some great, uh, the oxygen advantage is, is just a wonderful book, uh, that, that I really like. Uh, there's, there's so many great books. I think that, um, one of the things that, uh, is in this is going to come from a a totally different place. So there's actually a book that I've read recently that is, is one of my favorite books I've ever read and it's called love does. Uh, and so it's, it's not on training. It's not on, uh, the, I think it's clear though, that your language comes from somewhere else. That's why I was asking. You. Yeah. It's not on, uh, it's not a parasympathetic nervous system, which I've <laughs> read lots on that. Right. I've read lots on vision. I've read lots on light therapy. I've let, I mean, I've d- dove down all those rabbit holes. Right. And so, uh, you know, I can tell you that certain teeth correlate to different organs, right? Like I've read all that. But what love does to me, and then that's a book I recommend. It's by a guy named Bob Goff and he just lives his life and just an amazing way. And for me, I read that book and I just went, I didn't know this was possible. And you know, one of the, the other one, this, this is another thing, crucial conversations. I read crucial conversations when I didn't know that a human being could, could communicate this way. 
right? Like it was you, you could flat out tell someone what you want and how you want it to be done, and they'll do it. I didn't even know that that was a like right. I, it was silence or violence, right? Like that was those were my modes. And in the book, they say in, in Christian conversation, they say silence and violence, and I went. Yeah, that's how I do it, right? Is there there's a different way? <laughs> like, there's there's a different way, and so those would be I, I mean those would be just three off the top of my head. You know, kind of oxygen advantage is, is more the science based. Love does is just a general life based, and then crucial conversations is more tactical, right? So I think that's three you know nice kind of rounded for people, and uh, you know I, I, they're ones I enjoy. To get over some of the stuff that you did go through, did you ever get any consulting, or did you ever see a therapist or anything like that? Nope. And the thing is, is uh, I've done different counseling and therapy at different points in my life and, and been married twice. And so, so some different things and uh, none of it ever helped because part of it was, is, you know, people may look at me and I know this, but I, I, I'm a very intelligent person. And so I, I can feel what people want to hear. And I know how to give them what they want. And so when I did that stuff, I just knew how to guide the conversation. And then we walked out of the room and I was like, peace. And they're like, I'm so good. I'm a great therapist. I was like, yep. And so it just never worked for me. Part of it was because I never really thought I needed a change. And at that time, you were probably yeah, not, you weren't open to it. Yeah. No. And, and this is the thing is I, I, I think therapy is great. Whatever works for anybody, do it. Right. When people talk like, oh, I did, you know, I jumped out of a window and, and it, it changed my life awesome right like i it, it doesn't whatever works for people i'm good with because that's part of it. people are like what's the science was did it work for that person great then who cares right and so for me i i just that's the most amazing part to me in this is that i didn't want to change i didn't try to change i didn't talk to anybody about changing the person that's sitting here today with all the different thoughts and, and the way i think about things and the philosophy i have today literally came because my physiology changed and it just changed the way I thought. And, and that's literally it. And sometimes I tell people that and they, you know, kind of don't, you know what I mean? Like, they, which is cool. Cause they don't have to get it. Cause your uh, relationships with everybody must've changed drastically, oh, right? Dude, it's, it's so much better, man. Like you're seeing everything through a totally different lens, right? I mean, this is my kids. I mean, that's probably the biggest one. I got three kids, man. And, and you know, I got a 14 year old who now he saw me yelling. Right. And I got a nine year old who saw me young, right? Because this change has been the last four years. So she's five years old, you know. And I mean, we talked about this. So she deleted two days of my work. And I'm talking broke the dining room, tear, kicked a hole in the front door. I mean, she's seen me just lose my stuff. And it's my, my five year old has never seen it. The way he talks and does stuff is different. And so it's literally, I have to have conversations with my nine year old and my 14 year old where they'll yell at him. And I'll say, guys, it's not how we communicate. That's not kind words. Let's do this. And, you know, and, and, and as I'm doing this, I'm thinking to myself, there's no way I can ever be angry at these because they learned to do that from me. That's how I used to communicate. And so now I'm actually trying to change the way they do it. And it's funny because we do, uh, you know, my, my daughter, we were, we were riding in a car. She was fighting with a friend there in the backseat and whatever eight year olds fight over it. It was last year. And, uh, it was great because we're driving the road, blah, blah, blah. And I go to say something and my daughter goes, wait, we got to do our belly breasts. <laughs> and so, and literally she starts walking the girl. They do five, five belly breasts. And she's like, okay, now rub here. Like literally she starts, she knows like she's around it all the time and she sees me doing it and we do, you know, and so like literally, and then they're not fighting. Right. Like it was just, I was like, this is the greatest day ever. Right. And so for me, like my relationships with my staff and, and look a hundred percent, 
sitting here, it's very easy for me to sit in this new pattern and, and think and do this. When I go into a gym, right? When I go into work, when I do these things, it's a constant, it's a constant working, right? And sometimes I have to apologize to my staff. Hey guys, sorry, that was some old patterns, right? But, but I know, right? I'll, I'll, I'll say something that's, that's not good and I'll do something, but then I'll come back, right? And I'll say, hey guys, sorry, that was wrong. Because I had to walk into my staff and go, hey guys, look, my entire life, I've been a dick. And I wasn't a dick because I wanted to be a dick. Like, I love you guys. I think you guys are amazing. Like, the spot, look, the staff we have at the Spotify are just amazing people. We've always had amazing people there. Um, because we always push, right? We, we want to be world-class and everything. And I'm always pushing education and doing all this. So the people are like, we have two interns that, you know, move for unpaid internships, one from Missouri and, and one from North Carolina, right? Like, we get people that want to come and learn all the time. And we're always pushing that envelope but they had to put up with a lot to, to get that knowledge. And, and the thing is, is like, why, right? Why? And so, you know, here's what I'll say, right? I'm not, I'm not saying any of this stuff to say that I'm, I'm, I've completely changed and I'm better and I'm this and no, I'm a work in progress, right? My hope is that in five years from now or in a year from now, or six months from now, I have even less return to those old patterns, but I still do, right? It's what I talked about with our power. It's not how long does it last? It's, do I know where it is? Do I know how to get it where I want it to be? And because I have that tool to do it, when I do go back, I can just switch it right away. And and that's, to me, that's where the magic is, is I, I just can do that myself right away. Awesome. Take us on out of here, Andrew. Uh, JL, well, thank you so much for everything, man. That was, I'm blown away by a bunch of the stuff that you were talking about. Real quick, though, um, when I seen Cal work on some of our guys and, he, you know, you guys are doing the arm tests and stuff. I instantly started thinking about uh, those um, those hologram bands or whatever. I was like, dude, if those guys had RPR in their arsenal, they would still be in business because <laughs> like some of the stuff that you guys were doing, like that's what they would try to do, but they have like their like you know circus tricks or whatever. But is there anything that can amplify RPR? Like, a, can a hypervolt, like the percussion massager, can that be used instead of like your hands? Or? Well, so it's interesting you say that. So. We, we worked with a lot of that and it, there's a frequency that, that it has to resonate at to really get the most effect. So, so the things that are out there right now, it, again, you could, I could, I'm coming to California in a month. Uh, I could walk to California. That would be effective, right? It would, it just wouldn't be the most efficient way. And so with the guns, the way the frequency, there's some effect if, if you do RPR with it, but it's, it's, it's just, it's way better. So ironic that you say that. Uh, in the next probably two months, and I can't say a lot now because of some stuff, but uh, we're working with a company on something, on a gun that has the correct frequencies and has everything. So in the next three months, like this is not something I can't get into specifics, but in the next three months, there will be something that you can put in your hands that operates that will be an optimal frequency to be able to do all the stuff that we're doing. So we're really excited about We're super, super excited about it. We've been working on this for a while, and we're getting really, really close. So, uh, you know, having a guy like Cal, who's a mad scientist, and Chris Corfis, who who probably none of the listeners have ever heard of because he's, he's a sprint guy. But, I mean, this dude, like, he goes to, to New Zealand. He's with England Rugby. Like, they England Rugby... Uh, started using RPR and they beat the all blacks in the world cup. And they sent us email. They're like, dude, we love RPR. Like we, you know, not that that's why they won, but they're like, mm -hmm. it was a big part. Yeah. And so now this summer they want Chris to just travel just so they get more knowledge on RPR. Right. And, uh, so he's just, he's amazing, man. He's a savant. And with those two guys, like 
bumping through on mm-hmm. the research and all this. And then, you know, m- you know, the three of us work so, so well as co-founders, because for me, like, I, I love the business side. I love, I love the messaging side. I love basically how do we make this something that we can get out to people. I love helping people. Like, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, right? Like I have three values in life. Right. And, and so for me, it's always searching, which obviously with this help people and details create excellence. And those three things for me is, is what, you know, put together with Cal and Chris and their amazing minds. Like we, you know, like I said, I'm really excited about what we're going to be coming out with because mm-hmm. it is going to be something that we can put in someone's hands. It's something that is just going to make everything so much easier. So when that comes out, I'll be, I'll be super excited. I'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk some more. Yeah. If you, if you need some test dummies. We'll, yeah. We'll, yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, thank you. Um, make sure you guys are following the podcast at Mark Bell's power project on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is at I am Andrew Z at MB power project on TikTok and Twitter. Thank you everybody. That's been rating and reviewing on itunes make sure you're subscribed to youtube we got a facebook and all that uh in sema your biceps look great thank you andrew where can people find you and sema yin yang on instagram and youtube and sema yin yang on tiktok and twitter mark <laughs> at mark's belly bell strength is never weakness weakness never strength catch you all later poop cast what up uh see i told you now I bet you you're trying to figure out this RPR system right now. Uh, anyways, like I said, just find JL on social media, hit him up, and uh, yeah, figure out where you can find more information about that. Uh, but real quick, we wanted to give a huge shout out and thank you to everybody that's been rating and reviewing the podcast, uh, specifically Eric40508. Eric says, best source of info for people who are into fitness. Quote, if someone is doing good things in the diet slash fitness community, you're going to see them come through this podcast sooner or later. I've gotten so much good info from Mark and his guests over the years, I can't even begin to catalog it here. Although strength training is a focus, there are a lot of diversity and interests of opinion here and the open-minded approach to every topic discussed. I look forward to each episode, whether it's a big name or big name guests or just the guy shooting the shit on some topic of interest. Definitely the go-to fitness podcast available today. Eric, thank you so much, man. I sincerely appreciate that. Uh, you just hooked us up with a huge thank you and you helped us out a ton. Uh, so thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to leave that review. Uh, if you listen in right now, if you would like to hear your name read on air, please head over to iTunes right now. Drop us a rating, a review, and you could hear your name on air just like Eric40508. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace.